Reunion of the Unwanted back July 25th, 2022. Ricky, take it away. What's up? We're back another episode of the Union of the Unwanted. Of course, go to theunionofthewanted.com to see uh, our, all our links, see all the places you can watch the video and listen to the audio. The audio is available everywhere, but the video is live streamed on Rockfin every other Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. And then eventually, within a couple of days, it's available on uh, Odyssey. And also, we make it free on Rockfin. So definitely check out Rockfin. Most people who are on the show, if not just about everybody, typically is on Rockfin too. So if you like some of the guests we have joining us, they, they also have channels on Rockfin. So it's worth checking out. And, um, and shout out to Rockfin because... When this show started, we had a lot of controversial guests on, and it was one of the few places we could actually live stream uh, without getting in trouble. So, uh, you know, a lot of credit to them. But um, but today we have some new faces, and we have some familiar faces, which I, I love the mixture of the two. Uh, I don't, is there anything you guys want to, you know, start off with? I know we didn't... This was one of those general topic shows where we're kind of just going to wing it and see how it goes. Uh, is there anything on uh, your radar? Ricky, since we you were mentioning Rockfin... Can we? Didn't they host the Alex Jones show yeah. this weekend? Yeah, no. I haven't seen it yet, but I saw. I haven't that either. They Alex's it. War, I guess is the yeah, name. Yeah, Alex's War. It, I think the deal was that they had the interview up too. Yeah, I think they premiered the interview with Glenn Greenwald and stuff, and then I think they did the premiere on Saturday. But I think they're rolling it out nationwide on Friday, and I think uh, there's four cities that they're premiering in theaters. I think Nashville's one of them. Trying to catch that on Friday. So. Really. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Do Go you, to AlexWorldMovie.com, you know I think. Okay. It's this Friday at seven. Yeah, yeah. Ooh, I wanna go. It should be exciting. Heck yeah, heck yeah. Does anybody know what the anyway. movie what the, like specifically the documentary is about? Is it about any specific thing or is it just so, kind of- I think it's basically is- just uh about how at- the media and the elites have tried to take out, give the impression that they're trying to take out Alex Jones. I think that's kind of what's happened. It's super interesting, too. Well, and it's true. Like, I, I was talking to, I don't, I don't know who I was talking to um, recently. I, I feel like Sam, like, I, I, don't, I don't know how you have so many podcasts. And Seven. I, I, seven? Seven. Seven. Podcasts. Because I've, recently I've done a lot more than I'm like uh, used to in like the last couple of weeks. And like I'm forgetting what, who, like who I said uh-huh. what and when. And so it's, <laughs> but we're talking. <laughs> that's because the timelines are converging. Yeah. That's yeah. Just- 100%. <laughs> yeah. <I feel> that. <laughs> we, we actually talked about this specifically about how. I believe that like the Sandy Hook thing, and I'm sure you guys all agree, they made him the Sandy Hook guy. Like he became the face mm-hmm. of that issue because it was an easy way to demonize him. And it's like, well, obviously, when you get deleted on every platform, then they call you the Sandy Hook guy, even though you've been at you were at Waco, you've been the 9/11 guy, you've been. I mean, there's you've talked about geopolitics. I mean, you, there's so many other issues that he's focused on. He, it's not like his whole life's work was. It's the Sandy Hook shooting. And all he did was really kind of ask some questions and, and, you know, which I think we should all do. I mean, which I get anytime there's deaths, like you want to be sensitive to that. But the truth is like, look at the Texas shooting, right? Like there's just because people die doesn't mean we, we just ignore all the inconsistencies or all the weird things that are, you know, involved with that. And I know, um, 
well, Scott, I think left the call maybe, but I know he just did a podcast with uh, Monica and Charlie, and you guys probably have hit on this because it wasn't that show uh, basically surrounding uh, false flags, and, and I'm sure the yeah. text meeting got brought up, right? So it's yeah, like, we, yeah. go ahead. Well, we <clears throat> wanted to do a show that was um, where we talked about the things you're not allowed to talk about. We wanted to mention by name Sandy Hook which is a name that will get you thrown off of a lot of things. You know, when the algorithms pick that up, they start to put you in a different category. We wanted to talk about that. We wanted to talk about the psychology of false flags. We wanted to talk about who's behind it. So it was me and, and it Monica and, and, uh, and Scott. Ole Damagard was on that call as well. We had a good, we had a good, you know, I mean, good talk. It's talking about false flags. Isn't, it's never good, but it's just you have to understand. In and I thought it was educational because it it gave uh, Ole did a good job of explaining like these are things to look for. A lot of times it's just theoretical, like oh well, right. well why would they do this? Or, or or it happens, and then you're looking back on it. And, and what Ole was saying was, here's some things to specifically look for: look for shoes, look for bicycles. You know these yes. things. Look for colors. Look for look for you know obviously you, you'll see some of the same people recycle in and out, but but just look for themes that run through it. And then his premise was, and has always been, and I've talked to him about this at length, that maybe maybe even late night at a bar one night till like three o'clock in the morning talking about Gladio, but he said this is a NATO-backed traveling roadshow that wow. goes from NATO base to NATO base all over the world, pulling these events to create an Operation Gladio-style strategy of tension in which... So in the aftermath of that, then legislation is sort of more favorable towards a certain thing than it would have been before. And, and so it, you have to kind of like think like a psychopath. Yeah. Understand this. It's easy to be dismissive and go, oh, get out of here, that nonsense. You go, okay, I, I understand. It sounds crazy, but just think of it like this. If you need to get public support on your side, what better, and you're a psycho and you don't care who gets hurt in the process, what better way than to create the thing that you're, you're, telling everybody to be terrified of and say, see, it's right here. And it's going to keep being right here unless we do X, Y, and Z. And so that's, that's kind of what we did and talked about that. I think it's an, I think people need to get familiar with that term and at false flag and understand it doesn't mean fake. It just, there's variations of it. It can be, but you know, so, so we wanted to do that and, and Scott set that up and it was brilliant. I think he did a really good job. Why bicycles, Charlie? Why bicycles? Do you mean, do you mean just passerbys on bi bicycles? If I'm start looking at in the picture, that, start looking right. at photographs. Okay. Right, right. Okay. I find it interesting, Charlie, that you brought up these using of the same people in the thing. I think that's done on purpose to cause nonlinear warfare, mm. meaning that. It gives people like us, oh, hey, that's the same teacher from the blah, 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 and the bleep, bleep, bleep. And now, once again, now you have the one side that's, oh, it's conspiracy. And the other side is like, pit lives are lost, and we never come together. It's like that very famous video from Parkland uh, where the teacher's like, we had a cop. Uh, we saw a police officer in full body armor shooting people. Well, how does that make it? to the final product on an ABC television broadcast. Because if you've done anything in television, you realize that every moment, every second of TV is micromanaged. 
that nothing gets out there unless they want it out there. Yeah. And if you put that out there, now the conspiracy theories have something. Now the people who who um who don't who just want to, you know, just the children are lost, which is always really sad. Um they have they they now are at war with us because we're pointing these crazy things out. And that's done on purpose. And I do believe if Sandy Hook happened today, there would be a completely different reaction to it than when it came out when it did. That's my humble opinion. Don, good to see you. Hey, good to see you, Sam. Well, I I, I had uh I don't know if you guys ever watched that. It used to be a really popular video uh show on YouTube called stuff they don't want you to know they're like linked to how stuff works they did a, a, like a really cool little short video as well researched and they basically had a video on every topic and it's it was cool because you could send it to a friend and it's like okay here's a short video on fluoride and it would be like a you know a, a three four minute video on fluoride here's one on freemasons here's one like every conspiracy well i had the host of that show ben bowen on my show years ago and this was like soon after the sandy hook thing and He's, I mean, he works for a pretty mainstream show. The podcast is pretty mainstream in regards to like, you know, they, they scratch the surface on conspiracies, but, uh, they're pretty mainstream in regards. So they don't do anything too controversial. And even he, uh, we were talking about how like, oh, this didn't make sense. And that didn't make sense. And it was like, you know, early after Sandy Hook and it, and we weren't saying that it didn't happen, but it just saying like, okay, there's a lot of unexplainable things. And it's like, if something, like if there's stuff people who should be accountable for 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 something for either a cover up or for hiding something or maybe not doing their job uh correctly if you can't even question those things if you're saying that like this topic is is you know you can't have a conversation about it like how is anybody ever accountable like you have to be able to ask questions okay. and if your intentions are truly just to like figure out truth and you know discover uh investigate what really happened then i i don't think there's anything wrong with that but uh, obviously to go back to where this conversation started to alex jones i think it was it was such a sensitive topic it'd be so easy to demonize him and if you're like who is this alex jones guy that they're calling the sandy hook guy and then you you know you try <clears throat> to search for him only thing you're going to find is is you know crazy videos of saying that he believes in this believes in that but what they don't tell you is that like you know, yeah, he he's he has said some pretty crazy things, but like ninety percent of his predictions have been right. Like ninety percent of the time, he's right. So it's like you can, if you take out all the like screaming and yelling and gay frogs, like most of the time, he's right. People he was right he, about the gay frogs too. I was just gonna say that he was actually right about the right. gay frogs. So people yeah. don't re realize yeah. that it was so astrazine that was in the water, and I mean, it's absolutely part of their agenda. You know, that I, I think people kind of separate the the transgender and the transhuman agenda. And I think they're entirely related Absolutely. You know, for, for many reasons. You know, I think that the you know, there's the depopulation agenda and then there there's also the transhuman agenda, which, you know, I, I, I could go on for quite a while on that one. But I think that the the transgender, they, they, if, because it has like that occultist roots, they worship that hybridization of the male female so, and it is transhuman. It's 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 post-human, which is what they keep saying they want a post-human world. So it primed the environment with all the estrogen, um, estrogen dominators and and yep. the endocrine mimickers. They primed the body and and 
then they shame people. They create this whole pause on puberty bullshit and these criminal physicians and then give all these drugs. The Pritzker family is very much uh, behind this movement. And now they've created commodities out of breasts and and penises and uh, yonis. And it's costing, it's bringing, they are estimating by 2026, it's going to be a $2.6 billion market. In 2019, it was a $316 million market. Wow. Like like a lot of these other uh, things that we're talking about, it it seems like this transhuman agenda started and got a real kickoff in the 80s with the androgyny movement in music, Annie Lennox, the 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 heavy metal bands you know these are the sort of things that you know i'm i'm old enough to remember when right and and these are the sort of things that jump into my head when i start think start thinking of preparing a population over decades through the media right through people like remember annie lennox remember it was oh, just such a that, big deal she was david all over the bowie place. david that's bowie right created. that's right david bowie yes, for yes. sure little richard yeah yes. Sinead o'connor you know what's super okay. interesting is that we see this uh, transgenders in sports, but how come we never see any transgenders entering the WNBA? You would think that would be a prime place for them to go in, <laughs> just dominate, yet nobody's going in there. And you have to ask yourself why. And I think the answer is because the WNBA is primarily a gay league and they don't want to do anything to disrupt that they like that they're all lesbians on this high profile so that makes you even know that so much of this is scripted everything is specific to where they go why are all these spree shootings in places that get emotional responses why don't you ever see anybody shoot up a Ku Klux Klan meeting and then talk about you never see that how about a state legislature something like that I said that's what I say about the oh these things are scripted Sam you're exactly right because if these people, especially if they're angry, they're wanting to strike out at somebody that, you know, if, you, if you're going to, it's, it's kind of like the postal, the going postal shootings. Why did all the, every one of those examples, there wasn't a single example of a, of a person uh, flipping out and going after the guy that fired them, let alone a CEO. They always went and took it out against their fellow workers every time. And that's what you see with these shooters. I mean, I'm not just saying that they should go do something like this, but if they really had a beef with society and they went into their state legislature or something like that, there's a court where a big judge was or something, at least they would, you would kind of, okay, well, there's a twisted logic there. He's making a point. But what, what point are you making by randomly shooting shoppers and, and, and things like that? It's just, it just to add mayhem to it. And I think uh, that, you know, the, the scripted element is there. And, and going back to when you made the point about the transgenders, we're bringing up, and I've written about this, uh, there's lots of uh, explosiveness to come in the woke world because you have uh, feminism, especially the most toxic brand of feminism that I think has helped destroy society before this. They are now clashing with transgenderism because it contradicts them. If like, I've told a few feminists that I said, you know, what, what do you think about fighting all your life for women's rights? And then somebody like me can just come up and say, you know what, I'm just as much a woman as you are. And just suddenly say I'm a woman, and that, that they can't possibly support that. And you see with J.K. Rowling, who was as woke as they come until she went against the transgender. So it's it, and that would bring in if if they did go after the WNBA, uh, that would bring into uh, throw some racial politics in there as well, 
because you'd have the whole, you know, if, if blacks went in there, you'd probably have black males making fun of any black transgender that went and dominated WNBA. You'd have all kinds of things. So I, I'm kind of rooting for something like that because I think that's the only way it's going to come crashing down is if enough of these um, different branches of this crazy identity politics start feuding with each other. We're already starting to see it. What Don brought up there with why do these shooters go after basically defenseless people and not people responsible for the misery that uh, may have, they, they, they may have caused in their life. It's an interesting parallel because that's what's happening with Alex Jones now. He's in court being sued by the Sandy Hook families. Uh, they want to hold him responsible for something that he may have said for them call, causing uh, emotional damage. But Alex Jones is not allowed to defend himself in court the way a normal defendant would be. They have isolated him. He's not allowed to uh, say certain things or pre present certain pieces of evidence to defend him and make his case. And they have uh, basically rigged the system in a way where if there is a judgment against him, uh, basically InfoWars would be closed down and he can file, he can file appeal uh, against that ruling. But at that point in time, uh, all the money is stripped away. No more InfoWars, no more Alex Jones broadcasting. He would have to go do something else. I'm, I'm sure you're not going to be able to shut him up. Uh, but it's that same parallel is why go after somebody who's not ultimately responsible for the pain in your life. It's to set an example, I suppose, and to be used elsewhere, to be, to be seen as a precedent, to make other people scared. Uh, we've been, you know, today on, um, on Instagram, Joe Rogan posted a video uh, that they are allowing people to follow him on Instagram. And Andrew Schultz chimed in and said that he was experiencing the same thing. And, you know, uh, it's something I call that a lot of my friends in the comedy business who are now getting into talking about what's going on. I always say it's a safe, they do the safe, dangerous, right? Where people on this show do the dangerous, dangerous. And then there's the really dangerous, right? But, you know, even when you play that safe, dangerous game, they do not like that they have lost the narrative. And whether it's Alex Jones, Andrew, Andrew Schultz, Joe Rogan, or everybody here on this show, um, they don't like it. And they know that nobody is listening to the news. Nobody's following anything that they're saying anymore. LA's about to explode if they bring back these mask mandates. People are pissed off. I drive by um, COVID testing places and scream at people, stop getting tested. <laughs> You're going to fuck us all up. And uh, that's my little war I rage. But, you know, you're seeing they're going after, they're, they're, and everybody here is experienced, they're going after anybody who can create content without banker money. If you can create content without banker money, you're dangerous no matter what you're saying. Okay? And they want to close it down. Have you been on YouTube lately? It is dumb. It is so dumb. They are sucking your IQ points out with the dumb content, and that's what they're pushing. I, I, I try to play the game. I have a show called Broken Simulation, and we play the game on no conspiracies, no nothing. They, they my co-host, screenshot uh, my numbers, my analytics. 97% of the people who watch my show are subscribed. 2% or 3% that watch it are unsubscribed, meaning they're not sharing it with anybody. So if you're not 
if you're not subscribed you don't even know the show exists and that's what they're doing man and i it's getting scary out there because i think they're gonna start cranking it up especially with november coming and with this push for digital passports and to to basically make it so the wef owns all of the farmland yeah speaking of youtube they they're now uh they just added you can't talk about abortion uh, that's the new one. That's the violation of the community guidelines. Dude, so. I there is now a ding for making people wince in uncomfortability. Like if yeah. you're uncomfortable, if you're wincing uncomfortable, Lee, you mm-hmm. that is now a reason to Oh yeah. Wincing. Uh yeah. if I do that. Uh, well there goes there goes my show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For sure. I mean, you know, some of, and the regulations and <clears throat> new terms that keep coming through over there. I mean, look, uh, I don't know if anybody's had a strike on on uh, YouTube that came from a year ago, right? Yes. From like a year past. I don't know if anybody's had it that old. Yeah. But, but yes, you know, what happens is, you know, they just change the regulations. Whatever is in the past thing, if you've got a, you know, it doesn't matter if you have a strike or not. They've already got a little check next to a certain box there about your content, your channel. You're already in. You're already in a certain part of the recognition of the AI as it as it as it absorbs what you're doing. So you're already recognized as a certain um, type of creator. So I kind of think that that really throttles what anybody tries to do uh, on YouTube. I mean, I've had a much better time of it on Rockfin for sure. Much more comfortable. You know, it's just much more comfortable. They adjust stuff in 2018. They, yeah, they, they have a, a database and you're put into a list. If you do X, Y, and Z, you are no longer like Sh- Sam's show. Anybody who's still on YouTube, my show included. Uh, I know Sh- Sam has gotten uh, quite a few strikes. I have. And once you get to uh, that level of at least one strike and talking about conspiracies, and especially the ruling elite, you're put in a new category. Your your videos are no longer shared with people who don't already subscribe to you. And by the way, if they're even if they are subscribed to you, they're not letting your subscribers know. I'm just on YouTube now just to be there. It's kind of like going to a bar and not drinking anymore. You saw you're hanging out, and uh, it's it's a There's losing no game over there for us. Of content totally. Creating. When when I was I, I got kicked off, but when I was on there, I had like very close friends who would go daily to look for my show, and they they said. Yeah, and they were subscribed. They had like the notifications on, and they still couldn't find me. Like that's how much they would bury it. Like they would go digging, and they still couldn't find it. So uh, yeah. right, the notifications are on, and they still don't let your own subscribers know yeah. what you're doing, and they want to know. Exactly. <laughs> that's why they're subscribed. Yeah. I can't recommend uh, Robert Epstein enough. He's been on Miriam's show. He's he's. Mm-hmm. Amazing, and he he also did a uh, appearance on JRE on Joe Rogan. It kind of went under the radar. That I expected to get a, a lot more steam because the stuff that he was saying, like he obviously knew what he was talking about, and it really exposed the inner working of it all. And uh, and yet it didn't. But that's probably because why wouldn't they be suppressing him, right? But um, but if you get kicked off YouTube, the other thing that I noticed is, and I am also having issues with Spotify. I've been having a lot of people. The last couple months, like every once in a while, a listener will be like, Hey, I can't find your show or I can't, you know, it's not showing up. So I don't know if this is just, you know, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't want to jump to conclusions, but it, it seems like maybe there could be some issues with Spotify too. But I know when you get kicked off YouTube, losing your YouTube channel sucks bad enough because obviously people, uh, it makes it much harder for people to find you. 
But the thing is, you also get suppressed on Google. So like when I got kicked off YouTube, I found that it was like really hard to find my own episode. So like sometimes I'd be, uh, if I'm talking to somebody at the gym and they're like, Hey, you did a show on, on keto, like send me that, that link to the episode with Dominic D'Agostino. I'm like, okay. And I'll put in like Dr. Dominic D'Agostino, Drupal Effect podcast, and it doesn't come up. And I'm like, wait, like I put the exact title. How is this not coming up? I'm awful at spelling and the algorithms are so good that even if I roughly spell something correctly, Google knows what I'm looking for. But yet if I put the exact title, it doesn't come up. So it, it becomes so in other words, like it doesn't just hurt you, you know, as trying to build your business or build your brand on YouTube. It's hurting you like everywhere because unfortunately Google's still the primary source for for searches. So when that's a primary search engine and now you're kicked off YouTube, they're suppressing you on Google because obviously they're sharing the blacklist. It's all the same content creators are suppressing you on all platforms. Then it, it makes it almost impossible for people to find your work, which really hurts for people like us who are trying to make this passion project, uh, you know, something that's not completely financially a horrendous idea. That's why it's important that like people like Sam, he goes out and tours, he interfaces with people. And it's like, um, word of mouth is like that much more important nowadays than anything else. So like Sam going out and touring and rallying the troops is like critically important. One of the things that I've been talking about a lot lately is just, well, not a lot, but uh, actually it came up in the episode with uh, Teach. Teach, what's up, buddy? Like we just uh, talked about the whole idea of like, outreach to normie normie outreach like that was the topic of the of the conversation that's the topic of his most recent video maybe maybe he could speak a little bit on it but like you know to me i feel like there's this like off-ramp from like mainstream media right when the people are just starting to wake up and maybe they're like in fox news land and then it's like where do they go from there they find like maybe the the joe rogan's or the russell brands but then how do we get them to go like a level deeper like our shows you know what i mean like that that get that off-ramp continue to go down like how do we reach out to those people and peace Teach is like the most epic story ever, dude. <laughs> Take the off-ramp to wins. How about that for a show? Yeah. There you go. The off-ramp. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think, like I, think I think the problem, too, is that we, uh, and I, t- I preach this all the time, we all need to stick together. We're, uh, we are the alternative media, all of a sudden, so many more beyond, besides us. Regardless of our platforms, some of us have bigger platforms than others, but we need to, to stick together and support each other and not be maybe competitive. But when, when Alex Jones, that's why it's so sad. Really the censorship started when they took Alex Jones down. I remember at the time I, you know, I'm, I'm a libertarian, I mean, a civil libertarian. So I, I support the free speech of everyone. Hardly anybody does that anymore. And uh, certainly not the left, but uh, the right, some of the right doesn't either, but so many people were celebrating him. And I said, it doesn't matter whether I like Alex Jones or what you think of him. This is the biggest name in the conspiracy world. Whether you know, you can say he's a disinfo agent. He had the biggest audience. He was the number one name, rightly or wrongly, in the conspiracy world, in the alternative media. So when they took him down, that set the, the ball rolling, and you saw the domino effect. All those SGT report had almost a million subscribers. They used to be there on there all the time. They took them all off of YouTube. They deplatformed them because they were successful with Alex Jones. Now they didn't get to us, I guess. But um, <clears throat> that could happen. And I, I said, you know, because that happened, they're not going to stop at, at just social media. They don't like these podcasts and they don't like uh, blogs. They don't want ever, average people to be able to sit there and type on do something like Substack. I write regularly on Substack and I encourage everyone to do it because it's a free speech platform. And But they hate the concept of Substack, just like they hate Rockfin and all these other things. They don't want average people 
that are not not part of the major the mainstream media to go out and and give you some unfiltered perspectives on things. They they don't want that. They want it to all be filtered to the same kind of state controlled media. So we have to. Unfortunately, you know the the shot's been fired, and Alex Jones being on trial again. I don't know how many how many times has he been in court for Sandy Hook, but I think he made a mistake, and a lot of us made a mistake early on by apologizing. Uh, he should have. Uh, he he shouldn't have been backed into that corner and say, "No, I didn't say that." We have to always say that. I, when I talk about Sandy Hook, I'm very careful to say I'm not saying I know anything, but there are lots of questions, and there's not wrong to ask them. And that's what you have to do. Instead of like somebody like Jim Fetzer, who I used to be friendly with in the JFE, you know, he had to title his book. I'm scared to even say what the title was, but I'm sure you've heard of it. It was banned by Amazon immediately. Yeah, and but he has he, lawsuit too. Jim is also yes, exactly, and. And it was it was inevitable that he would, but you know, so he may you know his personality is such, and that's a problem too with our world is peopled with these type of personalities. Unfortunately, there's you know there's uh, a lot of combative personalities, big egos, and um, so they, they seem to gravitate to these subjects. But uh, I, I think we just have to have a united. That's why this is a great idea. I think uh, the unwelcome because we're all unwelcomed. They did the same with uh, Roseanne Barr. And when I was defending her in 2018, they're like, are you a Roseanne Barr fan? Which I am now. But yes. I said, I'm a freedom of speech fan. Right. I said, Roseanne today, you tomorrow. And it here we matter. are. Right. I tell as much as I despise somebody like Hillary Clinton, if Hillary Clinton, they finally actually prosecuted her for something, I would want her to have due process. I, I, I wouldn't want to just, I mean, it's, you know, you, you have to, that's why I said somebody like Steve Bannon, people are celebrating that too. It doesn't matter what you think of Steve Bannon. What I, they did to him was selective prosecution. Look at the constitution. That's unconstitutional. They selected him to prosecute things that people just in recent years, like Eric Holder and Lois Lerner did the exact same thing. They weren't prosecuted. You can't have a system like that, but that's where we're at. And, and too many people allow because they're, they're all part of identity policy. If we don't like somebody, oh, good. I, you know, send them up the river. You can't be that way because you're gonna, everybody's going to lose their freedom. Then. Well, you become the very thing that you want to avoid. Well, and something Don said that I think is uh, probably something we all appreciated back in the day on YouTube is that everybody could have a voice. So like people used to make fun of YouTube videos, right? And say, oh, where'd you uh, learn that on YouTube? Because you would find some grainy video or you find some like independent researcher who maybe didn't have like high production value, but actually like discovered something really interesting or did some really good investigation. And it's like, that was awesome. Like I could go on YouTube and a average Joe who just like, Hey, you know what? Let me look into this could put together a little YouTube, a well-researched little YouTube, uh, channel. And next thing you know, you're like, you're going down some rabbit holes and learning something new from a guy who is maybe a construction worker or a mailman or whatever and just doing it, um, you know, as a weekend hobby type thing. And now, and that, that was the unique and fun thing about YouTube. But now it's like, we used to go on YouTube to find those type of documentaries, those type of, you know, uh, people just doing passion projects and independent thinkers and, and researchers. And now you go on YouTube and what do they do? They force feed you the same mainstream, you know, channels that you're trying to avoid and went on YouTube to avoid in the first place. So it's like, if I wanted to watch Fox News or MSNBC or CNN, I would put on Fox News or MSNBC or CNN. I wouldn't go on YouTube. And now if you go on YouTube and you search anything, what comes up? It's those. Andrew Tate. What's that? Andrew Tate comes <laughs> up. I don't know what it is, man, but suddenly this dude is like every Kevin Samuels passes away and now Andrew Tate 
is in every suggestion that, you know, same thing with Lex Friedman, who's a great, I have zero problems against that guy. And he seems to have a great show, but man, that guy, I don't even follow him. He's recommended on every single suggestion that I have. That's the devious thing that, that YouTube did is they monkeyed with that suggestion component. That used to be the thing that would take you down the rabbit hole. And they stopped that. So as soon as they started to kill your suggestions where you could go, holy shit, if this is here, what else is that? And then you look and you've got nine other options and you're down there. It's great for retention. It's great for stickiness of the site to keep you there. But the agenda trumps stickiness. So they can't allow you to do that. So that has to go. The suggestion feature was altered. And now you get Fox News. Well, this is just part of how persuasive technology works, right? You you have a suggestion, right? This this is the idea of the of the flip. Use it on your phone. That dopamine hit that you get with that persuasive, you know, with with, with whether it's likes, whether it's something you want to see, you're just you know scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. <clears throat> when I interviewed Morgan Wright on my show, he's um, he's a, a guy who worked with the State Department, has his own internet security company. Uh, worked with the anti-terrorism unit. He was a, he was a senior advisor there. Really interesting guy. Sort of left left that life, right? That's what they say. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but he had some really great information about that. About how companies like like TikTok, right? When you have these suggestions and how it's being directed towards the public, towards the people that set trends, the opinion leaders, things like that. You have an algorithm here in the US and then you have the algorithm in China which is based upon group projects of so students putting together engineering things the algorithm here is stupid dances this is completely designed over time to completely not only kill our attention span but our intelligence and our reliance on these things because that's where all of our all of our dopamine all those all the dopamine stuff that you get from discovery from 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 putting together things from writing music from these organic organic abilities that that are just fading out and becoming this digital age stuff i i think that's really a, a big part of it is removing that you know i can't i can't have my daughter go outside and just say hey come home when when you know when the big hand is on the on the six and the little hands on the five, you know, or when it starts to get dark, now 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 it has to be a point of concern. And this is through all of this digital persuasive technology. It takes away the attention span, and I really believe it. Hey there, and I really believe it affects uh, a lot of people in such negative ways: short-tempered, you know, unwilling to listen. You know, cognitive dis dissidence becoming a almost like toxic mold that people breathe in, right? And it comes through this sense of persuasive, of this need for persuasive technologies. That's just, you know. Well, I, I was also uh, teaching in a classroom for a long time. By the time I left a few years ago, 100% of students, even in really low income schools, have a little computer, you know, that you can't actually do anything with it except web apps. Like that's one thing that's really awful about these computers. It's all tracked, right? Which is just feeding this data into whoever gets to have access to it, whoever pays the top dollar for it, perhaps. Um, but also students are, you know, just like you were talking about just now that they're being 
sort of trained to have those short attention spans and to need this technology in order to express themselves at all. If you ask them to write something on a piece of paper, it's like torture to them. They're like, why would you ever make me do this? This is insane. But they've actually shown in studies that, you know, writing with a pen on paper or reading on paper instead of a screen is actually, you know, more analog. It's It, it gets into your brain in a deeper way. It, you retain it more easily or the expression itself, the communication itself is more easily, you know, and then that's exactly, I think, why they want to do that. And also so that teachers can be replaced eventually, which, you know, given all the um, highly leftist things that are going on in schools might may or may not be a good thing to some people's opinions, but, you know, the agenda is not uh, good. <laughs> and to see that progression over time and to see how it affects students directly, measurably, uh, is really, really sad. That's why they want to remove cursive writing. Sorry. No, I'm sorry. I just want to say that there's supposed to be a marketplace of ideas and any one of us, and way more people than that, if if we had the kind of platform that a Rachel Maddow or Sean Hannity, one of these people have, we would immediately have the number one show on television, not because we're so great personality-wise, but because the material would be something. And the normies out there that won't accept it if they suddenly see it on a major television network, wait, what did they just say? And they're going to stop and sit and think because we talk about the dumbing down of America, but the reason TikTok videos and all these things are so popular, those are the choices that people are presented with. And other people say, hey, did you see the newest, latest one? But one of us had a show like that. And then the same people might be saying, hey, did you see the latest, you know, newest edition of that? Uh, they, they were talking about some really heavy, you know. And I, that's the problem is that we're not allowed to compete. So this yeah. is not a marketplace of ideas because our ideas are not allowed. And that's the whole idea behind censorship. They're stopping any of this from getting there. And that's why, again, it's so important to, to even somebody like Tucker Carlson. Well, it's probably, I was, I, I, yeah. you know, he, he's old, he, he does some good things and he's about the best we have on a major platform at this point. I oh, sorry. I was just going to uh, say, Tucker, I, what's interesting about Tucker, I, I think he really proves your point because Tucker doesn't break news. So Tucker talks about things that are very safe. You know, yeah. so it's maybe six months, a year after the alternative it's media dangerous. has been screaming. What? It's safe, dangerous, I call it. He right. Yes. Waits yeah. for all of us to talk about it forever. And then exactly. he in, he's like, look how brave I am. It's like, <laughs> oh, we've been talking about this forever. Exactly. But to your point, it. I hear so many people who, you know, more of, of like the normies will say, oh, okay, yes, now this is legitimate because Tucker talked about it. Yeah. Like, okay, <laughs> I've been screaming about this for two years. And lots years, of people hate Tucker him. But he, said it, I guess it's true. And lots know? of people, millions of people hate him, but he has a number one show on TV because he's, say, he's saying a little bit of this stuff. Totally. And just imagine if, if somebody got out there, you know, we could talk about the JFK assassination or 9-11 or things like that and, and present and show the people how obvious it is. It, it yeah. would get ratings to the roof. Well, and this is why, you know, it's not, it has nothing to do with money either, because if you were to give Alex Jones the right. eight o'clock slot on Fox oh. News, it would be the biggest, it would be the My biggest father. hit in the history of cable news, but <laughs> they don't give him that gig because yes. they don't care about this stuff. It's pure yeah. cancel culture. It's insane. Right. And oh, one other, one other note I wanted to add, as long as you're so dedicated to focusing and directing your life towards likes and you know, retweets and things like that. You're not so much interested in real world production where you're actually accumulating wealth and you're able to do something and be self-reliant. So it makes you, what's the knock-on effect? The obvious knock-on effect is that you're then relying on the state and the state very much appreciates that. So do you think we should learn from like 
Mormons then and put on a bunch of nice suits and go knock on doors, conspiracy theorists being the new people who are actually like, <laughs> yeah, kind of walk off their social skills, just being like, hi, I wanted, did you know that psychopaths rule the world? I'm Tom. It's that kind of thing. You've been doing that. Teese, we need it. We all need rabbit suits and then go door to door. Well, they're happy to see you in the rabbit suit. They aren't too happy to see what you're passing I around. <laughs> You know that sometimes when you're talking to to all to all the normies, there's that learn that curve, that learning curve of you know you realize that you just can't go and say to somebody, you know, hey, not uh, <laughs> the Titanic was a precursor and a drill basically for 9/11. <laughs> and people are like what? <laughs> you know the 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 pieces. So so to be able to introduce people, there's there's a whole thing to to uh, uh, to that, and I just really agree. But some people are just, I mean, there's those people that. Sometimes I think you just got to cut them loose and 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 hope that they come back and sort of, you know, I, you know, a lot of people have this um, never give up on anybody kind of thing. And I, I'm I, I don't I don't believe in that. I, I agree with that idea. And I think it's a certain portion of the population is never going to wake up. I like to use the yeah. popcorn analogy that if we put our energy on the kernels that are just never going to pop off, we're going to yeah. drive ourselves crazy. Instead, we want to facilitate uh, the warming up of the environment for everyone. The real problem with that is that that means that the fire is getting turned up. So what I've experienced, because I do like protests over by the legislature of where I live uh, next to like a giant sign that has bullet points on it. And I had this one dude come up to me and he was talking about how he had just gotten his third shot and he lifted up his shirt and he had a bunch of like bandages over his intestines because he'd had a bunch of weird growths coming off of it and it wasn't until that happened to him that he was able to recognize what was happening around him because he had been a die die hard guy who was just completely invested in it and did not think it was possible for the media to be lying to him so it's kind of that thing where it's like as much as we're trying to reach these people the heat's getting turned up at the same time I say everyone has their karma and dharma and we often unfortunately learn through physical tragedy and uh, I, I was watching a video on TikTok of a woman who had mild psoriasis and she got three jabs and she despite now having full-on boils and rashes says I'm not saying it's the vaccine and uh, she's taking all these drugs and it's just like peace to you we you know everyone has their own path and lessons to learn hopefully they'll they'll learn it we, we have energy that life is very short and time is collapsing and, and uh, we need to put our energy where, where we're wanted. It's like Meredith Miller and Matthias Desmond say, it takes a big jab of reality to wake like probably 30% of the people up. And then how do we get to the other 40? I mean, I think Tisa and, and you guys are doing a great job at that. I feel somewhat helpless. I feel like we're in a bubble that really people, you know, the 40% aren't really going to, see us at all they're not really going to go to an audio podcast they're not really going to get away from their tv so you know it's kind of got to be that grassroots thing i mean maybe knocking on doors is the best thing yeah to i think do. flyers like the old punk rock way is flyers and maybe a zine but uh that's a very that's small it. percentage of people you got to go you got to go to where the people are receptive and that's like conventions and some festivals here and there and uh it is it's very difficult it seems like <clears throat> We're in the last quarter of a game, and uh, we're just moving yards back and forth, and there's not much headway. Do you well, we're, like, do any providing a base for people though? Like right when they like run and they realize it's some sort of game of tag, we're like, hey, here's over the safe area over here, and they're like, oh, thank God, like thank God for you. And you know, I love the grassroots thing and getting out there and getting whoever you can in that way. 
Uh, and there's also this idea that I love that is like, we are, we are a walking sort of billboard, like, like every time we're, and I'm not saying you're always talking about these things, but just like the way you hold yourself and the energy that you have and how healthy you are and how happy you are, even though the world's falling apart because you understand that, you know, there's something beyond that or better than that, or just that you see that you've been seeing this for years. This isn't new to you. And so people start to wonder like, wait, what does that person <laughs> have? Or what do they know? Or, you know, maybe, and maybe that's just like, well, at least pique their curiosity or, you know, sometimes when I'm walking down the street and there's like a crowd of people I'll look up and go, man, I love parallel cr- clouds. Don't you guys love the parallel clouds? Those are the most beautiful creation, <laughs> like something that just like can like poke some holes somewhere here and there, just like plant a little seed. And, um, you know, we can just be that walking sort of advertisement as well. Be the change. I had a friend, I my, one of my oldest friends. I've known him since I've, I've been two years old. We grew up next to each other and we still talk. He's a diehard Democrat. He went out campaigning for Obama both terms. He he hates Trump through and through. And I'll, I'll, I see him like once or twice a year. And we talk on the phone. And uh, we talked last week. And he said, Mike, have you heard of the Great Reset? And I was like, oh, my God. What's going on with Chris? How, why is he talking about this? He doesn't get into my world. He's like, I've been watching Russell Brand. And uh, he's talking about the Great Reset. Do you know about the World Economic Forum? It's like, yes, Chris, I do. Um, let me know. Keep watching. Pay if you like Russell Brand, then check out Jimmy Dore, and and then I'll feed him some more. But it took his own curiosity to 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 look for that, and it was something like that was more on his level a a, a, show, a, a democratic socialist like Brand to kind of open his eyes to a broader world of news that he knew he wasn't being fed. He wasn't a dumb person by no means. He was just sectioned off for most of his life. Uh, but now he's, he's willing to talk about these things in a very, in a shallow end kind of way. But he, he can start swimming here soon, but it takes a while. And he's got to find, you got to find the topics that people care about. Uh, and then that you can use that to broach larger topics. Yeah, that's, that's, oh, sorry. I, I was going to say that, yeah, start with like finding a common ground, you know, they because people need to feel like you care, you know, not just like you're trying to prove a point. So if you find this is like a great debate strategy, you start with the things that you agree upon and you keep going until you find the thing you don't agree on. But now you've built that foundation. They trust you. So I think that even with people who you know and you're close to, it, it's a really good strategy. I had somebody on my podcast today who was referred to me, uh, you know, and I realized pretty quickly we were, it was not necessarily the best fit. <laughs> you know, I could tell where, you know, we, she definitely was not up on anything conspiratorial. She definitely, I, I think she's pretty much on the left. So, but she's a teacher and she really cares about the students. And she also is religious and she really has a concern that, you know, she can't share any of her religious or spiritual views. Uh, so I kind of met her there. I mean, we didn't go you know, it just wasn't the time or place. And I could, you know, because you have to build the foundation because it takes so long. You know, I know, and I always try to have some compassion because I know where I started from. And, you know, there are certain things that my cognitive dissonance went up super high, you know, and that I would never have a year ago, two years ago, 10 years ago, whatever, you know, whatever the topic may be, have thought that I would have been on the other side of that. So, you know, there's, there's, 
information that people need to be ready to accept to hear and they they act as you know like like laying bricks in order for people to build upon to finally come around and you know your i think your story is pretty commonplace like somebody has to want to you know it's like a any abusive relationship and i think the relationship that a lot of these people have with the media is an abusive relationship and they need to decide that they want to step out of that so when you you were talking about you know bricks from which you can build on well we're very fortunate in that the past two years the government has done nothing but lay bricks for us to build from so like it's kind of dark but it's the truth the vax injured or the people that know vax injured people that were extraordinarily blue pilled like those that's very fertile ground from which you can work like if they start asking questions about well i was told this was safe and effective and it was necessary for me to keep my job and blah 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 or they didn't get it, but their child was locked down for two years in college and now they're mentally ill and they're dealing with all sorts of anxiety and depression issues like that. Again, it's it's sad. It's tragic, but it is fertile ground from which we can actually build. So I think there's lots of opportunity. It's sad that it had to come to that. And and for those that are vax injured and are still not able to listen, well, just let them go. Like you're never going to reach those people, truly. Make it, yeah, ask questions. I believe, um, sorry, Charlie, go for it. I, I just found a good strategy is to ask them questions because as opposed to a monologue, just verbally unloading on your buddy that didn't want it doesn't really work. But if you ask him a question and get him have it a dialogue instead of a monologue, it seems to work better. And seem they feel like they're participating in the understanding of it as opposed to just like you bombarding them with it. So it's like... It, you know, not everybody's method. ready. Not not at every time. You know, like there's you're you come to this information and you either are interested in it now or maybe it's a couple years from now for you. But I'm I'm trying to focus as much as I can on the people that are interested in knowing more about how it all works, not the ones that want to argue with me about it. You know, it just seems counterproductive. And at this time where your energy and time is in in demand and you you have to figure out how you're going to allocate it it just doesn't seem like a very effective use of of your time or energy to argue with people about this stuff if they want to understand it then they'll come to you i bring these like- topics up at the in the public restroom <laughs> captive so audience doesn't it seem like they have like the normie defense um league or something like because we'll have a strategy like this i had the same thing right like just ask questions and then like start getting them talking about why you think this and where do you get whatever and then like now it's like you ask questions and they're just taught to like defend instantly like why are you asking where are you oh you're one of those like whoa i was literally just asking because i'm curious or even when I started saying like, well, you know that that's a good point, and but here's a logical fallacy. Like, here's where the logic breaks down, and it's this type of logical fallacy. And like, here's where maybe whatever. And now they've been trained to like use logical fallacies, but poorly because they don't actually know what they are, you know. And like, it's like every time I find something I feel like works, I feel like the CIA like drops guides everywhere. Like, okay, here's what you do when one of these thinking people comes and like attacks you with facts or whatever. Like, it's it's Agents. pretty weird missed they just show up out of nowhere and they start pushing back and but i do think people are waking up you know my own girlfriend still watches msnbc and we battled about rachel maddow for years and to the point that rachel maddow's was completely wrong on even just russiagate and she still is still watching i have to come home and she like 
She's like grabbing the remote to change the channel. Like I just walked, like when your girlfriend walks in on you watching porn, you're like, I'm not watching anything. And you got to change the channel. That's how she is with MSNBC. She's just trying to change the channel real quick. And I, I, I can't say, I mean, she lives with me. She knows, she hears what I talk about, but she is finally starting to come around a little. But you listen, I don't think our job is to change anybody's minds. I think our jobs are to be there with information when they want to hear it. And I think you're just going to beat your head against the wall trying to wake everybody up. And I see it happen with new conspiracy theorists all the time. They just want to save the world. And I go, <laughs> you're going to make yourself miserable. And what's the point of saving the world if you're going to be miserable in it? It's like, and, and listen, man, I'm somebody who thinks we're winning. I, I, I think yeah, I yeah. might be in the minority, but I do no, think, I think we're so. winning. I, I hear it a lot. I, I think we are winning. And I, I hear a lot of people saying that. Yes. Well, yeah. sometimes it seems like the movie Jaws, you know, we're going to need a bigger boat. Right? Yeah. We're going to need a bigger boat. But at the same time, <laughs> I've had conversations with people and I'm and I'm and I'm having a conversation. And I say, wow, did you hear that story about, the you know, the Maxwell trial or the or but, you know, they're like, who? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, you can't. And then I'm like, okay, sit down. Maybe they're NPCs. I was going to ask how it's many. It's very have... interesting. You know, how many how many people don't hear that, right? But maybe we're living in a simulation. Have you considered that maybe some of these, they're NPCs for reals? And it's not just something that we say. I really, I'm really asking because I've been really meditating on this possibility. And maybe it's a sim now they want a simulation within a simulation. Um, but I'm definitely considering, given all that there are so many sheeple. There's so that we're interacting with people on completely different timelines, and that's why this is not sort of clicking. I don't know if they're on different timelines. Maybe, like, I was speaking to my mentor. I'm like, what do you think? Is it crazy that to consider, like, Westworld for reals? And, and he said... Um, there's NPCs and I'm like, well, how, what's the percentage do you think? And, and it was a high percentage. And then he said, and then there's players, but then there's different levels of players. And of course there's different levels of consciousness. I don't know what the end game, if any of you have listened to RKX, Jason, he has a pretty, um, pr very interesting channel on, on YouTube and just looking at the full Chrome and simulation and, and all the mud piles and our obviously Tartaria and, so I'm just putting it out there. I know it's a big topic. I'm with you. I agree that there there could be some element to that. And I think that the the simulation theory gets a, a bad rap because it, uh, it people think everything's fake. But no, uh, we're talking, we're real. And uh, there's different levels of willingness to indulge in far out ideas. And the, the less willing you are to indulge in some of these ridiculous ideas, no matter if they're real or not, um, the more likely you are to be an NPC. If you're just not willing to have a random conversation, uh, if you're not into just goofing around, I think you're more likely to be a, an NPC. Someone who's just not willing to yeah. consider uh, an, an unknown factor in their life. And I want to add to that, that my my housemate and I, we've been thinking like, what's like a Turin test? Like, can we have like 10 questions to rule out whether they're NPCs? And that would be one of them. If you're not even willing to contemplate or consider, yeah, you're, you're an NPC. Well, I, I think the danger in it is, because I do think there's people walking around 
acting like NPCs, at least they're behaving like they're programmed literally, and they're not yeah. breaking through that programming. But I liked the Westworld thing when you brought that up, because I feel like that'd be way closer to what's actually happening uh, in Westworld. Of course, the, um, you know, programmed robotic AI, whatever they, they did gain consciousness, right. And then they did break their programming. And I think it's possible for any NPC to come out of that at any time. And uh, I don't think that, cause a lot of people have this idea, think, okay, well then you're permanently, like this, there's no hope, there's no purpose for me even trying. And I don't think we should try to go and force people to think. I think that they can do whatever they want, yeah. um, but it is good Pretty to well. offer it to them and allow them to have the opportunity and to give them that sort of safe base like we're talking about and to offer it, you know, and always have that hand outstretched or whatever, um, because I do think anyone has the capability to come out of it. Yeah, this is I, why I'm so unimpressed with Twitter bot farms, because it's like, is it really that hard to come up with a script for an NPC? Like the, yes, just relate everything to Trump. Okay, I got it. Like good, good programming. You you nailed it. Um, yeah, but uh, to your point, like, is it possible? What really? What difference does it make? Like, if they if they're not able to critically think at all, versus actually being some sort of like wet AI, <laughs> it doesn't make any difference to me. Like, they're still they're still uh, ultimately kind of a threat to my existence because right. they're just going along with whatever. Well, exactly. If it's a simulation and somehow you're projecting, like, I'm sure the obstacles in your life are tailored for you. I know they're tailored for me. I have some, like, customer service karma that I'm working through, So, which is all full of NPCs. But, but to, to Lindsay's point, of course, you don't want to pretend they're not or act like they're not real and be insensitive or violent or or anything like that in peacock did a rendition of the brave new world and there's gamma gammas that there's betas there's alpha plus there's exotic alpha and so um they can get out of that position um and that's part of figuring out in in like what's going on in, in this in that construct of the brave new world i remember ta- having an issue a uh, mechanical issue with my car. I took it into to the dealership and it it was able to get get me there okay. And he said that when you have this particular I said but it, my car felt really funny. And he said, "Oh, well what it did it, it put you into limp mode, which means you're probably not going to go above like second gear. It'll drive, but you're not going to drive very fast. It's not going to drive very well." And I thought, "Oh, weird. So the car in order to preserve itself threw itself into this limp mode so that I could get it home or to the dealer or wherever. And I wonder if a lot of these people just some at some point got thrown into limp mode. Where they're just there, but they're just, you know, unable to excel. And that my mentor was asking him questions. And, and so he said, just think about it. If you're a player, most of the time you're just worried about the grind and getting ahead in your own. But if you're someone that started to poke the bear and ask questions on how the game works, uh, such as us, then there's a target. And he's like, yeah, they can be like, ah, close her YouTube down, take her Twitter off. And it sounds crazy that there's a consorted effort, but I'm sure if you've been banned on, on several platforms, you see that there's a similarity I mean, m- multiple platforms like Amazon shutting me down, saying, don't even bother to write because no one's going to answer. Um, so I, I, it sounds conspiratorial, but I think if you're on the shit list. Um, yeah, I think you're on the shit list across the board. I think there's a shared yeah. database and uh, they, they've created this back end 
credit score for Westerners. You know, the Chinese have their theirs is very obvious. We have our own version of it here, and they probably have different different tiers of it. And uh, when they're all because you're, you're counting the cards, you're counting the cards, and you're challenging the house, right? Yeah, so. and so you're on uh, one of many databases, and you've been put into a category. It's been shared. And so, yeah, you're less likely to excel on those platforms that share those databases. And now that what, there's so few companies and data mining is such a huge moneymaker that, yeah, um, got to create your own economy, I guess. I'm still and they want to identify world. they want to identify the people who are not susceptible to this. Yeah. I mean. That's part of it, too. Um, you could say Q was, you know, it, it, it outed. You could say J6 did that. Does anybody have you, oh, does anybody have advice for waking up, not to the regular people, but professionals, like let's say doctors, where you know that they're not going to be receptive, but do you, do you push back? In, and this isn't really for me, but let's say for somebody I know that, you know, you go to a doctor and you know there's, or another professional, and you know they're not really, you can tell by their vibe, their energy, that they're not open to, to this. Do you push? Do you send them stuff? Do you, do you try and like maybe a little bit harder with those people that maybe need a little bit more of a poke that might have more influence if they do wake up or is it just then putting you into this category at a different level? Because now the doctors are like, well, I know this person's not jabbed and they're pushing back or, you know, they're not, you know, and then they'll start treating us differently. I would ask them uh, now that the government has confirmed that aliens are a possibility. Do you got to go back to school to get a new degree to give yeah. medicine to aliens? You know, something goofy. Well, it's more, more. I was thinking more jab related. For, oh, okay. You know, as far as health, health you got to give goes. a jab. And it's to different aliens. in Canada, and it's different in Canada. I mean, you know. well, they have the ability more and more to label you in, you know, with various mental illnesses, and then that's going to be more and more used against yeah. you politically as well as we're seeing with like red flag laws and all sorts of things. And so, I don't know if I would ever even try. And actually, I just have a policy now to like never go to any doctor unless my leg is like cut in half or something. <laughs> like just stay. Exactly. Well, I won't go to a doctor who is pushing the jab. I mean, then we're clearly just not aligned at all. So we're or not going to. It's not going to be a good fit. Or I walked into established care here, and and the secretary had I've said this on the show back at Cheetos and uh, some Coke. Uh, you're not the doctor for me. Ciao. Right. Yeah, so, it is. It's I, a little different in Canada because we're the colleges have control over the like. You don't have an option. I mean, you know, you even if you go outside the system, you're paying for it. And I know you guys pay for it down there, anyways. But right. it is it is much different. There's not a variety yeah. of views amongst the doctors. If they're practicing, no. they're that they're in there. So that was it, my advice too. It was like, don't go to the doctor. I mean, don't, don't even go. go. Like, do whatever you can to do something else. But it costs everybody extra here. Like everything right. that I want to do outside the system costs way more. It's the same well, thing. It's the same yeah. here. Yeah. I mean, if you're it, most of the doctors who are going to be aligned, don't take insurance and it, the insurance systems are a huge part of the problem. I mean, you go back to, you know, the East Indian British company, like the insurance companies were created to protect the drug cartels. I mean, that's essentially what they were created for. You know, back then the drugs were opiates and, you know, sugar and uh, coffees and teas. But, you know, it's the same thing. The principle is the same. They were creating this uh, uh, consumerist type of society. And then they had these insurance companies that were designed to protect, you know, the 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 drug cartel that's basically the best way to put it and the life insurance companies are a huge part of that and they so they're incentivized not to have you be healthy 
uh, you know, they're incentivized for you not to live that long because they don't want you, you know, that it costs them more the longer you live. So, um, yeah, I mean, there's definitely a part. It's not here. We have the illusion of and in some ways we do have a more free healthcare system, but it, it is increasingly becoming more apparent that 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 is more and more of an illusion than it ever was before. Uh, so while we may not have the same types of, uh, you know, waiting lines that there are in Canada, we still have, if you want something outside of the system or you want something that's going to be more aligned with uh, health care versus sick care, you're most likely going to be paying out of pocket. The benefit here is that we have more options to do that. Um, and I, I, I've seen that kind of explode, actually. I think they're has been increasingly more and more doctors stepping outside the system. Unfortunately, they don't take insurance because insurance dictates the time they can spend with the patient and the type of care they can give the patient. Uh, and also, you know, instructs what type of care they can give, often, you know, incentivizing pharmaceutical rather than natural or a holistic type of alternative. So, but I am seeing a huge rise in alternative medicine, you know, where it is possible and of doctors, even who are very traditional, kind of stepping outside the system, at least to some degree. In, so, In the functional health world, there mm-hmm. are programs like Next Health yeah. that have been created by Mark Hyman and, and others where they provide you a community. Of course, the focus is prevention, which is starts with, with the food and uh, with the food shortages coming. I mean, that's, that's mm-hmm. why education is so important because if you're outside of the cities, there really is a lack and there's more, it depends where you are. Um, where I am, there's not a lot of choices. The organic shop, in my opinion, is you know, it's in the eighties, it's, it's something, but, you know, go to farmers markets and, and really put the emphasis on prevention, especially with this obesity Mm -hmm. crisis. I just saw that Ireland has joined the ranks of countries who are uh, targeting farmers and, you know, banning nitrogen or reducing, you know, cow farts or whatever it is. Yeah. So it's, it's spreading, but so is the uprising, which is hopeful. Yeah, the Netherlands, they really rose up. Those the farmers in the Netherlands. Yeah. So. Yeah, I think it's in like it's Italy, France, Spain, uh Canada and people in the yep. US in some cases. There's a lot of places that are starting to join it. Argentina. Yeah. I forget all the but Panama. Isn't it them. crazy that they would even try this nitrogen card when this is so <laughs> important in farming? It just makes no no sense. Well, it there, feels there to are me eleven like countries, just... eleven countries right now that are that are that are live at this moment, protesting in the streets, Ooh. bringing yeah. it, and uh, and and you know Sri Lanka, um, wow, so many different countries. There's a, there's a list. I, I'll put it in the chat here. Yeah, I wanted to address uh, Miriam. You brought up so many different things in that, like the the simulation, Tataria. <laughs> You brought up a lot of different, <laughs> and then they're not all related necessarily. Um, I do have thoughts on, I've thought a lot about all of those things. I, w- I want to just preface that St. Augustine is the oldest um, um, city in the country, and there are star forts here, and mm-hmm. there's a lot of, it's a portal because there's a lot of different times, which is why one of the reasons I've been thinking about it. Sorry, go oh, ahead. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Oh, that's really interesting. 
Um, so uh, the, the first one I'll address is this the simulation theory, because I've I've given that a lot of thought. I actually don't think we're in a simulation. Um, I do think that that is their goal. They absolutely want to put us into a simulation. And I think that if you read their their white papers, they're pretty they're not really shy about that. They're pretty clear on that. Um, I do think that we already have, even in the West, uh, as some of you were saying, uh, a social credit type system. There's this, uh, I don't know if it's an app or a site that keeps popping up and I keep getting emails. And years ago, my mom, my sister actually went to go look and it'll tell you like, you have negative ratings. Is it mylife.com? What is I, it? That's one of them. Yes. And uh, I, I, but I don't, don't think they're the only one. And of course, my rating was like terrible, <laughs> you know. Um, but yeah, so I mean, it was already they already really had this. And I do think, uh, you know, you know, Google has like eighty thousand or eighty five thousand pages of information data on every person, whether they use Google or not. Although I think it's pretty hard not to. But they're funneling all of that between all of the. I mean, it's kind of because. Who controls a lot of this the AI tech? It really is the intelligence agencies, you know, so that it's not like they're these independent companies. I think that's a, it's a really big misconception that people have that these are private independent companies and that they have no ties to the military industrial complex. And, you know, that's just we have evidence, concrete evidence to prove otherwise. So I, I just want to add to that. Sorry to Ricky, yeah. that Spotify and GoFundMe are both. Um, well, they're big. They're related to big pharma, and they're invested by a company called Axel. So yes. when the whole trucker crap was going on with that's right. with Rogan, it wasn't an accident. Nope, that's absolutely correct. Absolutely. Um, then Tartaria is like it's quite the rabbit hole. I, I definitely think there was a civilization. I definitely think they were much larger than what is purported. I think that they had much more advanced uh technology and ar uh and architecture than is ex than is logically explained by their justifications uh but i think they're a bit of cognitive infiltration as well you know i do think that they're trying to put kind of these side so it's really important for people to understand and i i think this group understands this but i think it's really important for people to get the way uh, it's not just the left because they call it like the dialectical left, you know, I mean, uh, you know, all of the Frankfurt School Marxists would say, and so the dialectic progresses, but it really isn't. It's the elites. And this 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 comes out of like Plato. It's not even Hegel. It's like Plato, you know, and Plato was probably very influenced by you know, the ancient Egyptians who had very similar, uh, you know, religious or mythology to a lot of the occults so it is this kind of, of inversion what the cult of isis yeah exactly exactly so i i think that they're so they play these dialectics on both sides and i think that's really important so you have the you know what i call like the truth or community the people who are really trying to seek truth uh but they sprinkle in these you know, distractions or literal disinfo campaign. And I do think what's happening with the Tartaria theory is generated in in part, not, you know, I, I like I said, I do think that there are 
there were Tartarians and, you know, the, I, I think the Kazarian Empire has some uh, validity, you know, in the seventh century. But I think this notion that they're the Ashkenazis and the Jews don't really exist and it's tied to like the Jews supremacy. I think that that's part of the ploy to get the Christians to turn against the Jews. And, you know, that is part of their plan. You know, when you look at what their master plan is, that's, that's right in there. So I, so I'm careful because what happens with even, you know, definitely with, with normies, but even with people who have done a little bit of research is they haven't done enough to get full context. And so you bring up a topic, right? And so they think they have the whole idea and they grab, they latch on to pieces. I, yeah. I, I think that is a very good, important point. I'm reading about Tavistock and mm. the infrastructure. One of my favorite topics. Out. <laughs> Oh, we'll talk about that in okay. our interview for sure. Um, that the way they even the counterculture, and I'm like, oh my god, even the '60s was a psyop. It's all fucking psyop. It was totally. Uh, and then you realize that Christianity. If you were raised in Christianity, and now I'm thinking, oh, so they took it from ISIS and and Horus, and and I, I'm surprised I haven't looked before, but I'm. You could see all the dots connecting, and it's the mm -hmm. foundation. It's definitely both sides playing both sides and create it's all divide and conquer when you it's, distill it have you it's read all, that shaping the decline um about tavistock from Coleman? yeah does, Coleman. Any, does, any, does anybody Jonathan, know how to get hold of coleman or is he still around or? i don't think he's alive and the last i heard last interview i heard with him uh live was uh 2012 and he was pretty old but i i saw nothing after and i i've searched high and low. I mean, I was like, you know, borderline obsessed with Dr. John Coleman. Uh, I've read most of his material, most of his, and shaping the decline, you know, the Tavistock book that he wrote is uh, sold on Amazon for like the bargain price of just under five grand. Isn't that <laughs> so, crazy? It's so true that they've now upped the ante on books. It's they, um, they have that. I mean, you, can find the, you can find the PDF though. I mean, you can find the electronic. I, I've version read the PDF. Sure. I've read. Yeah. I've I read it three times in a week. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, I read Dan Estelin's book on Tavistock. Tavistock is a rabbit hole. That Daniel like, Estelin is very brilliant. I reached He's out brilliant. to him the I, other day. Have I, you? I've been trying to get a hold of him. I have not been. I able haven't to heard him. back, but I I reached okay. and I it, I hope I hear back. He's it's. I didn't know well, that you do. Let me know if oh, you yeah, can make the contact. I would love to talk Absolutely. to him. I yeah. love his work. I love his books. He really goes very deep. And his book and Coleman's book on Tavistock are very, very different. Uh, I don't know if you read them both, but they're they're very different. You know, uh, Esselin really goes into into detail on the psyops and the strategies and the tactics they use. Yeah. Where I recommend. As, uh, I, recommend I recommend. It's so um, good. Yeah. He's, he's Spanish. Did you know that? He, he's not America, an English right? speaking. Yeah, he's not yeah. an English speaking. Nope. And uh, Coleman goes much more into uh, the, the webs, like the rings on ring structure and the the way that Tavistock is kind of, uh, I, I call it like the, you know, social engineering arm of, of the octopus. It's it and its tentacles are everywhere. I mean, they're tied to the MI6. They're tied to the CIA. You know, they're really tied uh, to all of the intelligence in multiple of the, you know, ruling countries. And they use them to kind of oversee. Tavistock was really instrumental in the hybridization of the Frankfurt School and the Fabian Socialists. There was a lot of overlap between the two of them. Uh, they were they literally were in like they start pretty much uh, 
garnered all of the social engineering necessary for acquiescence to the World War One. You know, they trained Wilson uh, and, and it w Wilson ran on the campaign that he would not get us into war. And then Tavistock had a meeting with him. And suddenly we were not only getting into war, but we had these uh, you know, what was the, uh, the 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 tax, the income tax for our Christmas present. Um, and a lot of that was under the, the guise of Tavistock. But Tavistock is also the mother, I call them the mother of all think tanks, because, you know, they oversee uh, so many of the really instrumental think tanks, like the Rand Institute, uh, the Stanford Research Institute. Um, you know, I could go on and on, but they, and, they, and Hollywood. They're really instrumental. Yeah. Daniel talks about when he talks about JFK, that it wasn't so much about murdering this Catholic king as it was of killing something in in humanity. And then you see the same thing with 9-11 and in these other psyops that it's it's taking oh, the pandemic, taking something from from the spirit yeah. uh, of humanity. And they keep upping upping the ante. Yeah. It's disgusting. It is. Fascinating that you know the '60s psyop is social engineering that everything, and you think you're a counterculture, and you think you're like badass and punk for a while. Where it turns out that like the most punk badass thing you can do is have a garden and a family. Uh, right. exactly. <laughs> that's you're clean so right. water. <laughs> like right. this is this is what actually fighting the system is about, and it's just so it's hilarious. It's ironic. It is right, and that that they 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 create the culture. I mean, that's I think the other huge psyop is for people to think that culture is like this organic thing. I mean, not to say that it never happens organically, but for the most part, it's you know Tavistock, CIA, other think tanks, and yeah, they're creating. Well, when it does happen organically, they're super quick to grab it and just twist it beyond recognition, and then mass package it and send it back out again. <laughs> In That's in the true. Brave New World rendition, which I'm sure it's in, in the original, right? No monogamy, and you go to the savage lands to see the the humans, and you you can see the recreation of like going through a wedding, and it seems so because they're all taking it, like doing orgies and popping soma um, pills for any inch of feelings. They just take a pill, yep. which is also very much Tavistock, um, the yep. LSD, and all the MK Ultra. So Tavistock was literally called the British Propaganda Bureau. That was what it was initially called when it was first created. It was the Wellington House, but the you know the the other name for it was the British Propaganda Bureau. And the, they did it under the guise that you know Germany had a propaganda bureau, and we really needed to get people interested in you know going to war because. As it turns out, people don't actually want to go to war. <laughs> it's not like their first preference. So they, they had to pump a massive amount of propaganda to get people to acquiesce. Yeah. Yeah, I was reading this book uh, about the Germany in the 1800s and how they were so they were so um, not politically because they're getting into commercialism and industry and all that. They totally just stopped paying attention to politics. And they were able to swing that whole country eventually uh, into into the into the wars, and that and part of the reason they say was because they were just disinterested. You know, they just became, you know, they started to get commercialized and they stopped paying attention. And it's like, well, that's what we're doing now. We're not paying attention to anything right now, for the most part. Mm -hmm. So, do yeah. you think that Courtney? Do you think this this uh, is connected from Tavistock to COVID? And like, what's what do you what's your sense on how the current uh, pandemic is attached to all this rockefeller 
Yeah, I, I definitely should. Yeah. So uh, Miriam's absolutely right. Rockefeller was one of the initial founders of the Tavistock Institute. Um, I definitely, when you go and look, I did a lot of searching in 2020 on the Tavistock website and they're pretty, you know, a lot of these, uh, a lot of these organizations, they couch things in ways where it looks very, uh, it's kind of covert. Like if you go to the WEF website, you know, it doesn't initially look like they're their plans are all nefarious and insidious. You know, they couch it in that they might be a little bit more uh, authentic and genuine in their intentions, even though we might not agree with what their plans are. Uh, but Tavistock is there. It's pretty transparent. You know, you you can see exactly what it is they're trying to do right now. And it's very topical. Like, so right now their their website is all about transgenderism. Wow. Yeah. I have to take all about transgenderism and how, you know, compassion for the transgenders and training for the transgenders and uh, and essentially, you know, socially engineering more transgenders is essentially what (laughs) their website. So, yeah, so I went, it was 2020 and I was looking and it was all about, you know, uh, how people needed to wear masks and what to do with people who were, you know, not compliant and how to, uh, how to handle that and navigate that and yeah so i i think they're absolutely uh invested but they're invested in in and or involved rather i should say uh more in the the propaganda arm of it that's really what their specialty is but they're funded by i mean it was the the rockefellers the milners uh the crown uh you know the rothschilds in part um the actual name came from a guy named Tavistock. I, I want to say 1921, they created, he donated a building specifically for shell shock research. I may have gotten the date wrong, but it was one of the earlier iterations because Tavistock has gone through, you know, it was the Propaganda Bureau, aka the Wellington House. Then it became uh, the Tavistock Clinic, and then it became the Tavistock Institute of Human Relations in 1948. So I think it was 1921 when they were the Tavistock Clinic, and it was because someone with the last name Tavistock donated to have a building designated for shell shock research. And, you know, that's under the guise of like, you know, trying to figure out what happened to the soldiers. But really, they use that research to weaponize against the masses. And that's where uh, trauma-based mind control stems from, is the shell shock uh, research. That's fascinating. So, I mean, it's so weird in Canada here because the official provinces, they have their data on the COVID situation, right? And mm-hmm. and some of them, you got to dig pretty deep to get it, but you can get these graphs that show how terrible the vaccine is doing. So right. they, they're, they're starting to change how they, how they keep this data because it's showing how bad it is, but they're still pushing, pushing, pushing. The media is pushing, pushing, pushing. So it makes me really think like, are they... Like they they can't drop the, they're not dropping this at all. I mean, they might it might seem like it in the states or some other things. Even though you guys are the ones that still have your borders closed to six million of us. I mean, I'd like some focus on that for a change. I mean, uh, how did Viva play. come over here? Well, he got it. That's why oh, he's yeah. got. It. He's uh, you know, he's 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 com- he complied. I was very disappointed to hear that. Who that he did? Complied. Viva Fry. Viva Fry. Yeah. Uh-huh. But anyways, um. It's not that hard to drive across the border anyways. They don't ask yeah. really. But I mean, right. a lot of people are you know, scared to do that, right? Actually, I have a friend that got the inside because, as you know, I'm Canadian originally. And there's a car that is a 
just all the vaccines that you've ever taken in Canada and you can ask for it and you could just they'll ask you so did you get the vaccine you say yes uh, you have your papers if they ask and then you just put it up and so there's there's people they don't are, even ask they don't right. even last four times i went across they don't even ask okay, so, so i yeah. mean they 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 might ask they don't ask for you for any proof like okay. or they might not ask anything i mean they're pretty they're pretty cool as far as uh, the u.s border guards go but i mean that's still stopping a lot of people from all over the world going to yeah. the states so but anyways like how how serious is this like how far are they going to take this i guess Graham, you've done all this research you were asking about a connection between Tavistock and COVID. Well, and I'll, yeah, I'll make the, it for you through Dr. Alexander King. He's uh, one high, highly involved with Tavistock, co-founder of the Club of Rome with David Rockefeller, yes. a depopulation outfit. Okay, yep. so there, there's a lot of overlap there. Mm -hmm. um, Tavistock is, is, has fundamental ties to the Club of Rome. Yes. Which is all about depopulation. It's not even like speculation. You know, they write books about it. It's out in the open. That's what they're talking about doing. You know, and not not like they try to limits, make it sound nice, you know. They'd well, whitewash they did it Limits of Growth in 1972, right. which was, yeah. And then in 1991, they did the Global Reformation where they admitted that it was all propaganda and that they were they had to create a common enemy. And so they decided that the people would buy this global warming nonsense yeah. if the common enemy of man, a common enemy of humanity was man. So therefore we need to right. reduce man. And on, the yeah. follow-up sentence to that was in order to form a one world government. And yep. it's right there. Exactly. In, in the so it's, it's, in the it's not, it's only conspiratorial to the extent that you just don't want to go seek out the information. <laughs> it's there. They wrote it. It's in a, in a book. It's not secret. They say this, this is the plan. So there's, there's definite ties between, um, Tavistock, which I've always considered to be like the culture factory of the yeah, world. You know, they exactly. set the tone for what's socially acceptable. They make the Beatles a big deal. They make LSD, you know, they, they're all, they're involved the in Dead. culture shaping this whole thing. However they, you know, whatever they feel for the time they need to do to make everyone get on board with whatever the agenda is. Yeah. They bridge that gap and they're very good at it. It's scientific, yeah. you know, and it's fucking scary too because they're, it's because it's scientific. And so, uh, and the wrong people are in charge of all this stuff too. Like if it was, if, you know, if you had like the right people there, then theoretically you could maybe make an ar argument that it's just studying the behavior of humanity or something. Well, but it, it, unfortunately, when the Rockefellers are involved in it, it's like automatic disqualification. You know, it's no good. So they're in there tinkering around with the perception people have of the vaccines and, and, and the herd mentality and creating this fear and, and sheepdogging people into these ideologies. It's all fucking very well, carefully done. Am I, am I wrong? Are we wrong? I mean, this is like, I'm willing to admit that like, maybe we're wrong and we're, I am in this fucking tunnel seeing all this, but I mean, well, it's, I'll add one more thing that may uh, help, you know, I don't know, just give you more things to think about, but yeah, their, their whole strategy is interdirectional uh, conditioning with long range penetration. Like that's literally their strategy uh, for propaganda penetration. Yeah. Long range penetration sounds 
like <laughs> but that's what it is pride month to me i mean that's <laughs> but, also their strategy for orgies interdirectional long right exactly but but okay and this is where i'm going next so you said that it's very scientific right so they they literally yeah. created the field of psychology and right. when you look at the people who were the forerunners of the tavistock institute of human relations who who was it it was a uh, kurt lewin it was edward bernays who was a double nephew of sigmund freud it was freud it was Eric Aldous Huxley. Aldous Huxley, yep. Um, it was Carl Jung. And all of these people, when you really study them, they're not they're not psychologists. That field hadn't even been created at the time. They're not social scientists. They're actually mythologists. Most of what Carl Jung and what Freud uh, theories were based upon was ancient mythology. It was <laughs> paganism, essentially, and Gnosticism. So when you look at it from that perspective, it's not really they they couched it in the field of social science and they made it very structural. I actually was able to get um, they actually say a dictator of science of science. They actually yes. say they create a dictator of science. They Scientism. did. And I, I don't know where it is, but a long range dictator. The long range dictator. I, I have it somewhere, but I got and it was so hard to get. Um, but it was their one of the their very first publication was called Operation Research. And it was discovered like very serendipitously, like somebody at IBM in the middle of stacks of uh, like manuals found this. Um, you know, IBM is connected to Tavistock, but but it was somebody like in the, the back room, you know, found the, the, these files in the midst of all these papers and manuals. And it was Tavistock's very first publication. And it was their whole strategy to, uh, you know, I put in quotes, like legitimize social science. Uh, so they made it very structured and, uh, you know, very procedural, but it, they made mythology procedural. And it, it is based on... Yeah. Do you have access to that? Can you send that to me? Uh, the, uh, the that operation research document. Oh, it was so hard to get. Um, I mean, I I can send you a copy of like the front page. Um, yeah, but I I it, I went digging for it, and the I actually got the last copy. The copy I got was really cheap. It's used. It was like thirteen dollars, and then after I bought it, it already went up to sixty dollars. So, um, I'm trying to think where. I have it over here. Well, we have a side over. gig over there, Courtney. What? <laughs> so if you make some copies, you could have a side gig. I'll buy a. I'll buy a copy. Will you buy a copy? All right, I got. <laughs> it's a big book, though. Do you see it right there? Hang on, I'll go get it. I just want to bring it back to the whole NPC thing and what Charlie was saying about the limp in the car. You know, when you like you're shutting down, and so this is all you've got left, and tying it back to Tavistock, what Courtney was saying with the, you know, the shell shock research and that this is sort of the, some of the roots of mind control, I guess is, this is part of why I have compassion for NPCs because I think they're just like, they can only limp. Uh, I don't excuse their behavior, but I just have some compassion for it. I think that's part of our work if we're spiritual yeah. beings. I've, I oscillate between just wishing bad things and sending them love. I was just about to say you're a better person than me, Lindsay. Uh, oh no, I do the bad things too. Someone was like, dude, sometimes I just wish like all these people would just die. And I'm like, oh, I do it too, like every day. But then I come back to going, well, you know, okay, they've 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 worked for how many hundreds or thousands maybe of years to get to this point where they've broken people down so completely from every direction, your mind, what you see, what you smell, what you hear, what you breathe, what you're drinking, your food, like 
this is it's it's we have to have compassion it's a wonder it. anyone yeah. is able to pull out right. this insanity yes. truthfully so, i mean we're with television that's true. And yeah mind and we're allowed to vent but add foods and like they're getting this from every direction the fact that we were even able right. to convey a message is amazing if, if we're amazing yeah and that brings forth gratitude i i, I think mm-hmm. i i'm i am increasingly grateful every night i made it for another day i have my body thank you god i i, I really think it it cultivates i've used the rona as trigger work um I think most need to get balls and, and it's like, you're good on that, Miriam. Just like, keep your head down wear your face diaper, just get through the line. Um, yep. I wanted to say in studying Tavistock, I also found it interesting that certain names like Raskin came up and I'm like, huh, I'm one, I wonder if it's related to the current Raskin. If these families, like when we we're talking about false flags, there's also... Yep. I interviewed Ed Cherini, who did a lot of research on school shootings, and he was, um, they, someone gave him from Homeland Security a school shooting that was going to occur, and he put it on his radio show at the time and arguably stopped it, but they keep it in the family. It's also an FU, and he went as far as to say that the, the, um, Desilu production is involved in these, um, psyops, which I know sounds uh, crazy. Um, but yeah, the Lucille Ball, who is like, you can argue Lucifer Ball, B-A-A-L. Um, there's some there's some dark stuff around that family as well. You just sent me down a rabbit hole. God damn it. It's a good one, It's which I haven't even touched the surface. But even um, the, the acronym with Ricky and the players, um, I, I think, spell out Lucifer. Oh, jeez. Wow. But there's some yeah creepy stuff like with the George Floyd. There was Wayneal Sexton, the six uh, the grade school teacher that it's like anal sex that she kept his uh, his grade two uh, essay. I'm just as a teacher again. <laughs> I don't. I have never and would never keep any. Child. I'm sure there's teachers who do, but how long do you keep this? Since he was in second grade, and how old is he? Like I just do not. He wanted to be a the things. The things I've kept from students are the little notes, like you oh, know, like oh, we love yeah. you or whatever. Like that's what I keep because otherwise you can't keep going in that profession. But um, not not their essays and things. <laughs> what grade do you teach? I did six six through twelve, um, and I've okay. taught some college and some older stuff too. But that was okay. my main my main focus for a while yeah but you were excellent Lindsay. i i tried i have a lot of students (laughs) this was how this is how i know i was successful last year one of my students reached out to me she uh found me on facebook and she was like can i call you and i was like sure so i sent her my phone number she calls me and she's like um you know that thing you know that thing everyone's supposed to be doing right now they're supposed to be getting it and some people don't want to get it i was like oh yeah i got you i understand she's like so do you know how someone might be able to for example, just, you know, show that they got the thing, but maybe they didn't get the thing. And I was like, oh, I do. And she's like, oh, is that something you could send me? I was like, I can. She's like, okay, here's my email. I was like, yes. And that's such a gift. You know, you planted the seed and you probably saved this this girl. I'm very grateful. It was really cool. I was like, thank you for thinking of me. Thank you for showing me that my time there was valuable. (laughs) Yeah. I think that's what it is, planting the seeds. I've, I've had people like five years later tell me that, you know, they thought I was absolutely crazy or I was evil or, you know, whatever name they gave me. And they said, but it never left their head. 
and it, that you know the more information that they came across they started they kept saying Courtney was right Courtney was right you know and that wasn't my intention you know but I would because it was some you know the, these are people who I felt were I, I don't want to say too far gone but they were you know the friendship meant more we agreed we we were so far apart in our views that I just didn't feel it was worth but I would plant little seeds you know I, I guess along the way and yeah, those seeds do start to add up. I know that's true for me. There are things that, you know, people I knew years and years ago would say that I thought were absolutely crazy. And I'm like, oh, and hearing it years later, I had such a different perspective on it because I had so much other information, you know? So, yeah. Right. Except I'm sure you didn't condemn them. If I mean, no. I, I was just like, huh, okay. It's yeah. more like, all right. But right. I'd be like, like oh, that's they're racist. Right. Yeah, I, I definitely didn't condemn them, but I might think to myself, huh, that, that's interesting. I'm not sure I agree with that, but, you know, yeah. Then years later, I was like, oh, they were right. <laughs> and I was really wrong. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, a good point to tell people, too, you know, to let them know, like, hey, you know, you were really right about that. And at the time, I really thought you were very wrong. So, and you really opened my eyes to a lot more now with because that one thing now I see how it fits into the context of other things. So, I, I had a friend that was a, a fruitarian, and he works he works in Hollywood as a as a grip. And uh, I wrote a story before the jab on the emerging caste system or caste system in in Hollywood because they had different bands and and you could get next to the talent. And he got really upset and stopped talking to me. And then six months passed. This meant maybe eight months ago. And I just, hey, Joe. And he wrote back. And maybe I've shared this story already. And, and he's like, have you heard of the Great Reset? It was similar to, to the other story. And because of Bill Gates, he was a fruitarian. I mean, he ate, I don't know how many, 12 bananas a day. Uh, because Bill Gates was creating Beyond Burger, he's like, I started, Miriam, I started eating creatures again. <laughs> he was like, so there's hope. Um, you never know. I don't. Uh, I don't stray away from having a conversation with somebody that I think I completely disagree with on just about everything. I, I you never know. Like, you, like we're all scratching at that surface of of like tearing apart of their worldview and and hopefully opening their mind to other perspectives. And it's like I think sometimes it's baby steps. Like I think sometimes we get discouraged because you end up investing a lot of time in one conversation or multiple conversations, and you're like, okay, I'm not getting anywhere. But it's like we're all contributing, and then you don't know what's going to be the trigger and. What's going to happen is is maybe in that moment they seem like they completely disagree with you, but you planted the seed, and when they have some time to reflect on the conversation or to think about maybe some of the things you said, then maybe you know it starts filtering in. And then if somebody else says something, or if they run into another podcast or another um, website or documentary that might uh, be parallel views of what you were discussing, like it's they're going to be like, okay, well you know, this connects the dot with that. And then like, okay, I'm starting to see the image a little bit. And so you never know. I mean, it's like, it's almost like when you're a kid and you don't know which conversation is going to stick with you forever. Like adults telling you something and you're like, this doesn't seem that significant at the moment. And then at, later in life, you're like, oh my God, that stuck with me. And it was much more important to the way, to, to molding the way I look at the world than I 
uh, understood at the moment. And uh, it's same thing with adults. It's sometimes you you kind of plant the seed. They don't realize how important the things they're telling them really is. And then one day, you know, they'll connect the dots. So it, it it's hard because it is discouraging and those conversations can radically go in the wrong direction. I mean, I've been in them where like I, I leave the conversation frustrated, upset, feeling like I just wasted my time. And now I have all this like build up uh, anger that I have to deal with and I got nowhere. And, uh, but then I have to remind myself, I'm like, okay, maybe, maybe this is the beginning. Maybe this is uh, just uh, one of the many uh, conversations this individual is going to have. And eventually somebody's going to get through to them and hopefully I contribute to that. So it's, you know, I, I understand Sam's perspective. He said this uh, on the show many of times and, and I get it. Like I, I get why you want to be like, you know, what? wait till people want to be saved. But I don't know, man, I, I, I can't help, but if somebody says something that's not true or something that I'm like, okay, I, I got to correct them or I have to add to this because I feel like if I don't, then I'm letting the propaganda just spread and i'm like i i can't just like if if i don't say anything then it's almost like i'm i'm kind of agreeing with them like i'm I'm letting them say this and i don't have anything to contribute to to uh or disagree with them and so i almost feel like i'm i'm also uh to blame for letting the lie spread i'm like if somebody says something that's untrue if somebody brings up vaccines 9 11 whatever it may be or or the covid um, any of the COVID things, then like I have to say something. I mean, even my wife will give me that look like, shut up, Rick. Don't say anything. Ricky, don't say like, let's just get away from this, this situation. Like, and I, I just can't help it. Like, I'm like, if I don't, and I, and I'll tell her the same thing I, I, I'm saying right now. I'm like, I'm like, if I felt like if I said nothing, then like I'm letting this bullshit just spread because they're going to say something that's untrue about the COVID vaccine or the COVID numbers or whatever. And, I'm just going to like, okay. I'm like, yeah, I agree. And a lot of times the, when you do have the balls to speak out, then other people who agree with you will eventually look at you and be like, you know what? I, you know, I was thinking the same thing, but you know, I didn't have the courage to speak out. And you see it all the time with, with especially the COVID thing. Like there's a lot of people who agreed with us who just didn't have the courage to speak out. And then when you spoke out and they felt comfortable to like Lindsay, like that, you know, that student who called you, it, it's like, oh, they felt comfortable to go to, go to you like it it you realize oh shit there's a lot of people who agree with me but it took and it's it's not even just covid i mean it's with depression i mean how many people won't talk about internal issues you know struggles or depression mm -hmm. anxiety whatever demons are dealing with until you do it you know it's i think it's one of those reasons why we loved dark art or music that was kind of depressing and and dark because it's like okay somebody else that I can relate to, you know, this is somebody who's going through the same struggle, same thing. So, um, it, it's sometimes I, I get, I get why you would avoid those type of conflicts, but you know, I, I think that in some cases there is some good that could come possibly come out of it. Yeah. If you're going to well, say think... something, I'm going to say something too. Like if you're going to bring up some, some topic and say what you think, then I'm going to also say what I think. I think that's fair. Uh, and I think it's really strange if somebody were going to bring something up and talk and then expect no one else to say what they thought about. Like, well, then why did you bring it up and say it out loud to my face? Like clearly you wanted my opinion. So I think that's fair game. I feel like that's um, noble and good. And like you said, it can have ripple, ripple effects. Um, Pun intended. Oh, pun intended. <laughs> I think 
Yeah, yeah, ripple effect. I think it depends on the environment. I mean, I just there's certain I think friendships where, and I I haven't taken my own advice in this because <laughs> I I've actually lost friends, like really close friends who know I'm not the kind of person to not speak my mind, you know. And I mean, I do it in a nice way. I don't do it to be adversarial or you know uh, contentious, but. You know, if I don't agree with something, I'm going to say I don't agree. And I have lost very, very close dear friends. So I'm at this point where there are certain times and places where I'm like, this is just not the battle I want to, you know, not right here, right now. Uh, but I think at other times, you know, absolutely. it's uh, And even with those cases where I decide that that's not the battle I want to engage in, I always plant the seed. <laughs> you know, I think you can plant seeds without being controversial. You can, there's definitely ways to do that. And I think the, the question format is also really, really powerful because then it gets them thinking and it puts the onus on them. Yeah. It's not you like giving a lecture. It's Hey, think about this, and you know, and then they have they have to do some work. So it's also the tone and the energy and mm -hmm. uh, self, in my opinion, self mastery, mm -hmm. picking your own battles, having discernment. Mm -hmm. But I, I've also like been shushed, uh, which I don't appreciate. Um, so I, I I think that we should be allowed because we don't know we're planting again like seeds. There could mm -hmm. be a stranger, and they hear what you have to say. And then they go down the rabbit hole and that's like God moving through you in my, in my opinion. So don't bring up nine 11 at Thanksgiving dinner around your in-laws. I can tell you that from personal experience <laughs> doesn't go well. Yeah, but we, 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 <laughs> Save it for another day. We, we've talked about this before. Like, why is it completely okay for us to are like, I've seen plenty of Thanksgivings and dinner tables, like in heated arguments over sports. And then it's yeah. like, ever says didn't we tell you you don't talk about religion politics or sports at dinner like nobody ever says that it's always like don't talk about the you know don't talk about the things that are actually important that shape our worldview that the, the the conversations that have um you know depth to them and and really uh we should be discussing these these deeper bigger questions but yeah it's completely okay for us to argue till the end of time about sports it's like i'm, I'm I live Massachusetts. The Tom Brady conversation. The I mean, I'm Portuguese, so Ronaldo, Messi. I mean, I've seen. Uh, I, I I dropped off my my son at uh, soccer camp last week, and we were talking. Him and I were talking about Ronaldo and Messi, and then a bunch of other kids overheard. And next thing you know, there's like a heated argument. I'm like, most of these kids aren't even old enough to watch like most of Messi and Ronaldo's career, but they're like in a heated argument over Messi and Ronaldo. I'm like. This is completely acceptable. But if I brought up COVID and people were arguing, then it's like, what an asshole. Why would you bring up COVID? You know, it's like, so it, to me, it's almost seems like a well, like, uh, engineered, uh, plan to like get people to, to argue about things that aren't important, but you can't, God forbid you, you talk about anything that's important. It's like, you know, the, the, to me, it's like, those are the conversations I want to have. I want to, I want to be challenged. I want people to, 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 challenge the way i look at the world what i believe uh because i want to you know make sure that you know my worldview or the way i look at the world doesn't have holes and doesn't have flaws and if there is i want to re reflect on that and reanalyze it and whatnot so it's like to, yeah it, it's wild that like like charlie said like you bring up 9 11 and you know he's a shithead for doing that but if you if you had the same heated argument over sports nobody would care right well if people were 
healthy, like just a base level of emotional wellness. You could bring up anything to anyone at any time and it wouldn't matter what it was, right? If somebody brings up anything, it doesn't even matter what it is. Somebody could say to me, like, I think we should burn witches. And I'd be like, why? I wouldn't be like, and like just freak out and start ripping my hair out and punching people. Like, you know, and this is like the, where we've gotten in modern society is to where people are such emotional infants uh, that they can't even have a discussion about anything because it feels so threatening to them. And this goes back to the mind control and the trauma. And that's, you know, why it's so effective as well as it just causes people to shut down. And if they can't shut down and get away from it immediately, then they have to attack it. Right. It's interesting because sports just has like seemingly just as much identity wrapped up in it. Right. Like I'm a Broncos fan or whatever. And that's who I am. Uh, And so when someone talks about Broncos like that, I take that somewhat personally, but it just doesn't get that same like vitriol or fear. Uh, And that, again, speaks to like the messaging and the trauma. And this is intentional like this. This thing's terrifying. Don't touch it. 9-11 terrifying. This is a base level like, you know, your very existence is threatened by just discussing this. So don't talk about it. Um, and it's sad, you know, and if we just, if, if people could learn to deal with their emotions in any kind of a way that was effective, that would not happen. You would be able to release that trauma mind control and you would be able to just engage with an idea and recognize the idea cannot puncture your skin, rip your face off or, <laughs> you know, like harm you in any way, actually. Uh, In fact, the only thing it can do is possibly take you to a different point of view, which would be fantastic. It'd be amazing. I'm looking for this all the time. I would love for somebody to constantly just like challenge. I love the challenge. I want all of my things to be done. Unfortunately, I can't find very many people who can discuss something from an opposing point of view without freaking out and losing it because people are not emotionally well. I was going to say that maybe that's something that we share, just an inherent curiosity and uh, wanting to provoke and just have discussion and actual thinking. Imagine that. Like the first time I heard people talking about the earth being flat, I wasn't like, you stupid idiots, what's wrong with you? I was like, that's crazy, but why do they think that? (laughs) And so I went looking, like I just, I'm curious, yeah. We're curious. I've gone down all the crazy rabbit holes, even yeah. when I'm like, that's pretty crazy. But let me see why they think that. And I'll explore you, it. You have a confidence and an understanding. You're not, you're going to come out the other side unharmed. Like you're still yeah. going to have feet and hands and a face, you know, like it's, it's not pretty scary. sure sticks and stones may break my bones, but words may never harm me. Right. But that, cra- that was how I was raised. So the, the crazy thing is, if you guys notice, it's almost like the more emotional they get, the 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 less they know about the subject like i've had people like yeah. lose their mind over vaccines like having discussion and i'm like you have no you've done zero research on this topic ever and you're so passionately like arguing with me and telling me that i'm wrong and the science says and the science says, and i'm like you have no idea what you're talking like you know like it's even the most common things like uh, a white belt would know a little bit about like the vaccine uh the virus system or you know uh, any of that stuff like just no knowledge but yet they'll go to bat for this perspective that they haven't even researched and i'm just like what you know it, it's mind-boggling but it shows like we're talking about like People are so tribalistic. You join a team and God forbid you find out this team that you've been, you know, defending is all based on lies. And I think that's the problem that people struggle with that. People struggle with the fact that it's like, okay, I've been on this team and now you're telling me like this whole sport is corrupt. It's, you know, I have friends of mine that are sports fans 
And I remember doing a podcast and actually, Charlie, I think I, uh, you've had him on to um, the fixes in author. Uh, the, oh, no, you no, didn't. but I want to. Yes. Yeah. So he he's he's one of the uh, the few researchers on sports, uh, corruptions, conspiracies and, and stuff like that. Yeah. And uh, I remember sending it uh, the podcast. I've I've done a couple of them um, with them uh, throughout the the years, and a couple of sports fans, uh, uh, friends of mine. And I'm like, hey, listen to this podcast. I might find it interesting. He's like, hell no, I'm not listening to that. I'm like, I'll never be able to enjoy sports again. And it's like that whole ignorance is bliss thing. It's like they'd almost rather believe that you know it's real than God forbid you like shatter their worldview. That's and- very telling. It is. It is. You're absolutely right. You know, and and something else that Graham said that was really interesting because this goes into something that I think I've talked to a few of you guys when um, you were on my podcast about this. This whole idea of like the enlightening, right? And how you know you uh, Graham talked about uh, Nazi Germany and and you know how they didn't they were easily brainwashed because they weren't even paying attention. You know, it's kind of like why when you talk about like how do people get so brainwashed and how do people buy into the propaganda i mean a little bit is because of like look at you know culturally right you used to use um religion or spirituality supernatural things to control people you know when you look at like not that all religions bad but obviously if you wanted to control people it would be a great way to control people it'd be a great tool well then the enlightenment happened the enlightenment and and people became less supernatural less spiritual so now they're more about material things and culture and that type of stuff well now you use that to control people right you control the culture you control the music you control um you know they're the you almost make them uh completely naive to the way the world really works or asking these bigger questions or being spiritual and and finding internal peace you find happiness in these material things so now you become a slave to debt you become a slave to the system that they've created so it's uh you know it's probably you can kind of connect all these dots and i know in many cases like all these topics seem really like not related and then you start like in your head you start connecting the dots like okay this is all related everything is related and then you feel like alex jones just losing your mind screaming yeah (laughs) i I understand why he gets so uh, irate (laughs) i mean he's been diving deep into this stuff for three decades and people have been sitting here calling him a crazy quack and it's not like he doesn't just like pull these ideas out of thin air it's because you see those stacks of papers on his desk? They're not props. Like he, he, he has reads the documents. This stuff. He reads all these documents and he's read the, the texts of the elites. And so he's seen what their plans are. And then he starts to see their plans unfold. I don't know. It's pretty infuriating. Especially think- when everybody around you's like, no, that's crazy. Like, uh, no, I've been telling you for three decades, this is what they're trying to do. Well, and because it's starting to affect us personally now, like it's not just a, an, a weird esoteric thing. Now they're right. coming after us. Like of this course. is, we only have so much time before that 30, 40% get turned against us. It's well, really is, coming this, to that point. This is why, this is why the censorship and cancel culture has, has really taken root and exploded so much is like they, I think that the the powers that be, whoever you want to call them, they understand incentives. They understand that like, if you have an incentive to ignore all of these obvious truths about, you know, vaccine dangers and things like that, you, I mean, it's really, it does, there is a tremendous incentive to just keep your head in the sand. At least there had been, because Mm -hmm. then you get to, 
you know, go to house parties and not sound like a crazy person. <laughs> you know, like there's an incentive to pretend as if you're ignorant to some of this stuff. Um, but now the incentives are getting, you know, change. It's shifting in our direction where there is a tremendous incentive to know about the, the dangers with the vaccines prior to putting it in your body. And, and also, I just want to give some sympathy to those people that that want to keep their head in the sand. Like, do you want to believe that your government would not only tell you that something's safe and effective, but so much so that they would mandate that it go in your body. You know, like, like of course you don't want to believe that they would mandate that you put something in your body that's dangerous. Like that's that's such a dark thought. Many people are incapable of even holding it in their yeah. mind. They're just like, yeah. I can't fathom that. It would shake my entire worldview. And I have I I sympathize with those people deeply. I always say ignorance is bliss until reality smacks you in the face, and reality always smacks you in the face. Indeed. Well, this is, yeah. this is why psychopaths often have the upper hand is because people who are not psychopaths and not narcissists and don't have personality disorders, which is most of us, can't yeah. even fathom how would you harm a child? How would you create a toxin on purpose and dispense it to all these people? How would you do? Why would you ever? And think about it. The first question they'll ask you if they're a normie and they've never thought about this and you tell them something is Why? And you're yep. like, yeah, good, right. good question. Why? Right. Because they're psychopaths and they don't have the same values as us. They don't have the same emotions as us. And we literally can't imagine it. And right. so it puts us at a disadvantage. They're, they're too mm. good. There's too good people to even fathom that level of evil. Yeah. And, and that is a big uh, blind spot. But for people who don't think it's outrageous that they put a poison in a jab, just take a walk down the grocery aisle. Hello. There's tons of chemicals. Yeah, you've been being poisoned for decades. Why are you surprised? Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, it's a slow they kill. Spray it from Hello. the air. It's a slow <laughs> kill. They, 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 you know, the planes come and drop it. All the poisons. Well, oh. and I would. No, I would those actually... are just parallel clouds. I would. I would push it's back totally a little natural. bit. I would push back a little bit against the assessment that they are they are psychopaths and pure evil. If if you can put yourself in their shoes and their perception that anthropogenic global warming is ultimately this existential threat that's going to eliminate billions of people on Earth, well, then you can actually wrap your mind or put yourself in their shoes where you can justify their perception that it is worth sacrificing these people because they're going to die anyways. But so I don't think they the believe thing, that. I think no, that, they're buying uh, beachfront property. Most of them the don't, but I think some of them it. do. That's yeah, yeah, you're right. Do a little bureaucrats do the, 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 right, the bureaucrats, the useful idiots. They believe it, but the the elites who have created the the plans, they do not believe no, it. Those that's are the psychopaths. I, up, I agree. <laughs> yeah, that's why I brought. Yeah, they're the psychopaths. That's why I brought up the Club of Rome documents because as a. Uh, as you were saying, Charlie, uh, it was it was the the limits of growth was in 19. I think it was 1972. Um, and that was they literally crafted the plan because they knew that it was garbage and they knew nobody was going to buy this nonsense. But they had to figure out how to execute this plan so that they could get to where we are now, where they want to push the carbon credit. So they literally decided, well, if we could have all of the humanity rally against this common enemy, then we can get them to buy this nonsense. And in 1991, they had uh, the Global Reformation document where they admitted that this was pure propaganda, that they made it up, and they made it up because they had to create uh, a common enemy and they wanted to reduce the population. So they decided the enemy of humanity was man. 
Now they've made Russia, yep. which has been the boogeyman before. And if you saw the MP of Ukraine and the little video, so, yeah. oh, so all the billions is to make the first smart country. Like, that's what Ukraine is going to be, like the yep. beacon of social credit system. That That's what they're tearing it down for. As they say, we we are the carbon that they want to reduce. Exactly. Right, Ricky? Are we wrapping it up now? It's been... I think so. Two hour. Let's do some last call. Self promotion and let people know where you can be found. Uh, what's going on with Grimerica? Hey, well, we got uh, an audio book just came out of ours. Uh, that's H.G. Wells' The New World Order. It's pretty interesting. We got a whole bunch more on secret societies and conspiracies and stuff, and theosophy and spiritualism and all kinds of interesting stuff. Uh, but you can find all that at Grimerica.ca, where we have that podcast and another podcast, uh, Grimerica Outlawed, and a bunch of trips uh, and stuff. We got a uh, trip in September at the Scablands with Randall Carlson. There's a couple spots open left in that. There's two uh, trips in September, a bunch of other stuff going on. So you can find it all at Grimerica.ca. Clint and Thanks. I had a great talk uh, that'll be coming out on macroaggressions pretty soon. Where can people find your work? Uh, you can find me at Liberty Lockpot on Twitter and Liberty Lockdown on YouTube, Spotify, everywhere else. Just search Liberty Lockdown. And this month I will be having on uh, Sticks Hexenhammer 666, one of my favorite YouTubers, uh, Dave Smith, Alex Stein, Judge Andrew Napolitano, working on Adam Curry and Eric July, and also we'll be having on Adam Krigler and Anomaly, another one of my favorite YouTubers. Oh, so, nice. It's going to be a blast. Tune in. Rogueways, we do a show together called Day Zero, don't we? Oh, yeah. And it's one of the best shows besides Union of the Unwanted, of course. Um, of course. By the way, I love Eric July. That's really cool that he's been yeah. going through some crazy, stupid shit lately, which is... Yeah, uh, but he's really cool. Uh, but Rogue Ways is on uh, Rockfin. It's on YouTube. You can also find my other show, Middle Path. There, um, all of my books that I write, including uh, there's an audio book available now of one of my books, which is on Audible. So if you like to listen to fiction about our possible possible alternative history and the yoga cycles, uh, it's a super good book. That's available for easy listening on Audible. And uh, but rogueways.org has everything else I do, and um, there's a lot of it. So go to rogueways.org, and I won't list it all for you. The bee lady is always working on something cool. It's always some story that I'm going to have to read and get geeked out about. What are you doing? I just wrote a two part on uh, how the transgender movement dovetails into transhumanism. And Yay. then I, I did, uh, that was for Sher Sherry Tenpenny. And then awesome. I just did a piece on uh, CERN and the Large Hadron Collider. And I'm interviewing Frank Jacob this week. I'm very excited. And I just interviewed Joel Gilbert, who's premiering Michelle Obama 2024. And I had a conversation with Max Egan yesterday, you can find me on Truth Lives Here, Rockfin, Miriam Hinane. And then I want to announce that I, I landed a kick-ass editor of, uh, well, Sean Hibbler, who I was like, please, God, I need someone who knows how to edit and who knows George Floyd because I'm so in the bowels of this story. And so he did psychological operation in 2020, and I reached out to him. And the film is going to be kick-ass. Watch out, Candace. And um, yeah, so I'm and I'm my book on George Floyd, um, multi-layered psyop examined will be out in October. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's always so much fun to be with like-minded people.
we're we're grateful that you're available to to hang out with us. Courtney, what's cooking? So I have uh, the Courtney Turner podcast. I am not on YouTube, but I'm on pretty much every other platform. I'm in the process of redoing my website. The website is up right now, but we're redoing it. So it's CourtneyTurner.com. But I spell my name like Courtney. So C-O-U-R-T-E-N-A-Y. It's pronounced Courtney, but I say Courtney so people can know how to find me. Um, I have two other shows. I have one called uh, Wim, What is Movement? And we explore ways that movement helps people to heal emotionally, mentally, physically, spiritually. And I have another show that I'm in the process of packaging. We've done three episodes and it's called The Right Voices. I always say it's like a counter to The View, but it's very, very different from The View. The only similarity is that it's an all-female cast. Um, But we discuss all sorts of conspiracies and kind of underground topics. And I'm also a speaker and aerial acrobatic performer, and I'm doing a performance in Middle Tennessee area uh, on September 24th. So I'll be doing a kind of unconventional apparatus and a speech. So if anybody is around there, then you should come. I think we will have streaming tickets as well for those that can't make it. Mike, wasn't your band name unconventional apparatus? It's very close to it. Yes. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Very cool. Midnight Mike has the funniest podcast in the world called Our Big Dumb Mouth, OBDM. Oh, thank you. When can people find it? Thank you. Yeah. We, uh, we stream live, uh, Wednesdays at 7 PM Eastern time. And then again, uh, Saturdays at noon. We, it's, it's funny. We goof around a lot, but we talk about some serious topics too. So, uh, I'll, I'll be covering the, the simulated reality at some point in the next, uh, month or two. Um, I got, uh, ways to describe it and how to interface with it. So coming from a cybersecurity background, uh, I'll have some pretty unique ideas for that topic. Awesome. And Alex Jones will be narrating it. I, uh, <laughs> He'll so. be piping in. He can't keep yeah. that guy quiet. The Does everybody have the ripple effect subscribed on their phone yet? Like, what's the matter? I got I got some great shows coming. Uh, first of all, uh, Courtney, I have a great episode with you that hopefully will be out very soon. And one with Graham and Darren from Grime Erica. I'm so behind with releasing episodes. Sorry, guys. But uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, well, your your other episode, you should get out the all female uh, show. You should have Alex Stein on there. He is sometimes a female. You should. He would be more <laughs> identified. I totally as should. Yeah, that would be super fun. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I have some great shows. I got uh, Naomi Wolf. Uh, have an episode with her that I have to release, and then uh, I'm interviewing a gay frog later this week. So a lot of great episodes, and <laughs> and uh, the ripple effect. Is, is the gay frog uh, angry with Alex Jones? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, <laughs> we're gonna find out. If we can talk him out of it. We're gonna get a, a religious pre- preacher to try to, you know, but um, right because they do that, right? I think sometimes, but um. I'm offending somebody, aren't I? I'm sure. Uh, the podcast, like, okay, exactly. Who cares? Like, who have we not offended? Gay frog tonight? conversion <laughs> therapy. I don't give a shit. Is the good, yeah, gay frog conversion therapy. I think I, I, I think I told you on uh, your your podcast, Ricky. But uh, I was on a podcast, and he put like you know, like his promo clip. It was like a one minute clip uh, of from that podcast, and and it was me talking about the gay frogs. I'm like. That's the clip you use, of course. <laughs> yeah, it was like a two-hour discussion, and that's like the one minute. <laughs> like, okay. So. Yeah. The low-hanging fruit. <laughs> right. 
Exactly. Frog is going to be pissed about this and start protesting. I want some straight frog protests. Yeah, RippleEffectPodcast.com. I'm like Horty. I'm everywhere except YouTube. And uh, that's it, guys. Thanks for joining us on another Union That Wanted. We got Charlie. You got, got to, of course, plug your stuff. Macroaggressions. Uh, my current interview right now is Greg Carlwood. I've done a show on Wednesday coming out about Henry Kissinger's depopulation memo. And uh, next week, I've got Clint from Liberty Lockdown. Awesome. Very cool. All right. Thanks, everyone. See you in Thank two weeks. You. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for the invite. Nice to meet Thank you. you so Thank you so much. Nice. Awesome. Lots of love. <laughs> <laughs>